This is how I win. How'd that get in there? Were you rushing or were you dragging? I drink your milkshake. What am I going to do with a soul anyways? You show me a pay stub for $72,000 on it, I quit my job right now and I work for you. Yeah, Jake, it's Chinatown. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to your spooky movie primer for the month of October. We have an excellent roster of gentlemen here to talk about all things scary. Taylor, what is up, my dude? Hello, Ben. I am excited for this one. This is the episode that I've really wanted to do for a long time. We're going to give you guys a comprehensive Halloween movie guide because... Honestly, you guys deserve a better class of Hollywood Halloween movie guide, and we're gonna give it to you because the ones online suck. So I'm I'm pumped for today, dude. I'm excited. Hell yeah, brother! Why don't you give a quick intro to a few of our guests here today? All right, so we have a couple guests with us today. So first, a recurring guest. He was on the pod years ago. Like to introduce the scary score story guy, Sergeant Darwin, also goes by Jake. What's up, man? Dude, I've, I've got a sweater on. I've, I'm drinking tea. I'm cozy as fuck. Let's do this. <laughs> and, dude, what's what's your channel, and where can they find you on YouTube? Let's I'll give put a plug in right now. Yeah, so I write scary stories on Reddit under the username Sergeant Darwin. I also post some scary movie reviews on YouTube with the same username. Go by the scary story guy on there. Hell, yeah. Check him out. Give him a get, Subscribe to that shit. He makes Low good content. incredible Redditor on here. Follow his shit, dude. He finds the best stuff. And then we got a friend of mine, Halloween movie aficionado. We got Preston. What's up, dude? And this is his first podcast ever, so let's give him a, a warm welcome in the John Pod Nation here. What's up, guys? Uh, longtime listener of John Pod, first time caller. Stoked to be on. <laughs> <laughs> I've been waiting to pop that one out, but stoked to be here. Halloween movies, scary movies. I love being in that element. Just getting my tits knocked off you know <laughs> hell yeah brother sounds like preston won some like fan contest you know and he got the opportunity to come on the pod we, we I, had a <laughs> I have been trying to get on for years so that's true if you listen to every episode of our podcast you can come on that's a standing invitation to anybody all right so you've earned it preston 100 percent. and of course we got Bill Mo in the house what up dude what's up fellas let's get spooky Let's get fucking spooky. All right, gentlemen, we're going to get into some categories today. And we want to get deep. We want to give everybody listening a full range of movies that they can explore, enjoy. Let's be real. Everybody wants to watch something scary in October. It's just the way it goes. Wives, girlfriends, everybody, they just are into it. They want to get spooky. So we're going to go through some categories. Each of us have selected a movie for the category. We'll give an overview. We'll talk about them a little bit. So you guys have a full list of movies you can actually review and think about later. Go back to. Tay, we should have like some kind of graphic or something we throw up with this, you know? Yeah, dude, I'll I'll make a graphic for this one. I'll I'll go above and beyond. I'll okay. post it on our I'll post it on our Twitter. There we go. All right, so we kind of stole this from the ringer, but it's it's essentially a draft, but we all went through and picked one movie in each of these categories. So let's kick it off. We're starting with the top, the heavy hitters, the classics. This category of movies we've decided are movies that are essential viewing or movies. So if you haven't seen these, these should be on your list. They're worth your time across the board. Let's kick it off with Mr. Jake. Jake, which movie did you select 
for this category. So the the first horror movie I'm talking about here is actually the first horror movie I ever saw in my entire life. I was seven years old, and my uncle, uh, my parents got really mad at him for this afterwards, but my uncle showed me a movie called The Changeling. And this is this is kind of a deeper cut for a classic, but this is 1980, stars George C. Scott as a, a, a professor who moves into a new mansion, and he starts to, he starts to feel like it's haunted. And this movie... This movie scared the Christ out of me when I was seven years old, and it, it still does to this day. It's unbelievable. Perfect ghost story, sets a, a fantastic atmosphere, it sort of turns into a murder mystery in there, and it's it's just everything you want from a horror movie. Fantastic acting. They really don't make them like George C. Scott anymore. Um, I'd say it's subdued. You got to know what to expect. It's, it's not super in your face, but it's really well-crafted, uh, insanely creepy atmosphere just a, a lesser known horror classic i don't know if you guys have seen it but i haven't i, I have haven't. not I haven't i've either. only seen the is the is the new one with angelina jolie is that a remake no i think that's just is that a, a different movie entirely it's unrelated yeah because when you put the changeling and you put 1980 i was like i never heard of it because i've only heard of the the new one well, so well that's interesting we're all learning we're all uh yeah. being edified <laughs> well, by this process I need this, to check it out. This list is for us a little bit too. Yeah, it's a deep list. So, so Changeling, it, where does it fit in? Like, you saw it as a young child, and this is funny you said that because my icebreaker that I forgot to ask everybody is I wanted to know what movie scared the shit out of you f- as a child, like the first one you remember. So Jake was like, "This your first movie like that really scared you?" Yeah, growing up since you saw it at a young age, it, it, it was. And then I, I remember. Also, if you guys have seen the movie Unbreakable, there's a scene where a guy. <laughs> oh, oh, oh <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you listen to this podcast, I, I know, dude. Shyamalan, I forgot who I was talking to for a sec. <laughs> so, Unbreakable, the scene where the guy like breaks into the house. I had this crippling yeah. fear of home intruders when I was a child, and I saw that when I was like seven years old too. So, I think that was probably the the defining moment. But no, I, I credit my uncle showing me this movie at such a young age for kind of my, my lifelong obsession with the macabre, so you can count that as my answer. Hell yeah, dude. Is it is this on a streaming that you know of? Not to put you on the spot. I'm curious if this is like the, the a deep cut to find the changeling. The, the last time I watched it, I was able to get it rented on Amazon for like three ninety nine or something like that. But Okay. Alright, I'm intrigued. Any other thoughts on the changeling guys? Questions, follow-ups. I need, I need to check it out, dude. Yeah, I, 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 I just put it on my list. I'm gonna check it out this, this Halloween. It's been bolded. Look at that. All right, next up, we got Will. What are you throwing down, dude? Instant classic. Instant classic came to my mind was The Thing, 1982. Yes. John Carpenter, Kurt Russell, just one of the biggest movie badasses of all time i mean yes. kurt russell's fulfilled that role so many countless times but it's hard to not remember as remember him as mccrady um in in this movie and so i'm i'm sure most people have heard heard of this one before but the thing is just such a i i feel like so many directors just feed off of this movie mm-hmm. you know quentin tarantino's admittedly said look you know the hateful aid is pretty much pure inspiration from the thing people trapped in a, you know, an environment where they can't leave. It's, you know, confined, it's very claustrophobic. It's kind of like a claustrophobic horror and everyone's on edge and paranoid because no one really knows who, you know, each person really is. And so for example, in the thing, it's basically about this entity that crash lands in Antarctica 
at this scientific research base and there's a huge storm. Everyone's trapped there, but they come to find out this thing can take on the form of essentially anything, any human being, any animal, and it's amongst them and no one really knows who it is. And so they spend the whole movie, you know, essentially on edge and pointing the finger and not knowing when the thing is going to reveal itself and consume the other person. It is such a classic. It is such a, um, I, I think, like I said before, I think it's a gold standard of just movie inspiration. There's just so much you can take from this movie that, and that you can see of the movies that have come after it, how they've just drawn just from this well that just keeps giving. We got to talk about Wilfred Brimley, dude. You didn't, you left him oh, out. Brimley. How did I forget Brimley? <laughs> this is one of his best roles ever. RIP. Um, honestly, one of the best, one of the best roles he ever did was in this movie. Such a great part. Some incredible effects, visuals. Yeah. The monster, man. Yes. Like, it's the, the atmosphere of this movie is so thick. Like wherever you're watching it, you just, you feel it. You feel yeah. like you're there with them questioning everything when shit goes down you just get it on this visceral level that is very very memorable yeah fantastic film low-key my favorite scene is where they get all the guys and they do a blood test yes they have the petri dish for every and then they basically they have a way to determine if you have the alien inside of you based off your blood so it'll like freak out if you have it so they go one by one each petri you dish. just wait and the tension is next level shit yeah. dude it's so good you gotta check it out if you haven't seen it yeah i'm glad you mentioned the the nat the you know the effects of this movie are just incredible i mean it looks better than most anything you'll ever see today because most everything today relies heavily on cgi or you know they just take shortcuts and this movie holds up in large part because it's of its special effects and its dedication to um the craft in that regard so great movie love it um and i think to even answer your icebreaker question this this i mean it's not necessarily the first scary movie i ever saw but a funny story with this movie i mean my dad always told me this was like the scariest movie he ever saw when he saw it in the mm. theaters um and we owned it on vhs my dad re would record tons and tons of movies we just had vhs tapes when something was on tv we'd record it and once in a while, you know, we had a channel or two that would show movies unedited and he had the thing. And every once in a while, I had a buddy over. I was probably in fourth grade when my parents were gone for a little bit. We would sneak the VHS <laughs> tape in and just watch the gore, the gory parts. And it was I was always so on edge that my parents were going to come home Walk in. walking in when I were watching it. Um, so that's I do have, you know, fond memory of growing up with the thing, just ha kind of having it as this thing in my head that. You know, it's the scariest movie my dad ever saw. It's one of the goriest movies I'd ever seen. And when I finally saw it, I just, I loved it. I love this movie. Definitely holds up. And I just want well, to... Some people were sneaking... Yeah, go up. Oh, well, I, so I am kind of the opposite in that I came to the thing really late in life. I actually saw it for the first time just like three or four years ago. And it had all the, all you know, you saw it as a child. And, you know, there's some element of nostalgia with that. I have none of that, but it's a five-star movie. It completely holds up. The effects are, you know, better than ninety percent of what you see in movies today. Mm -hmm. Total horror classic. Top have you seen it, Preston? 
I have not seen it. It's on my list. I was going to watch it tomorrow night, actually. Ooh. Yes. So I'm so excited. All right, Preston. Throw down. What's your classic? All right, I had to go with the the granddaddy of them all, of what I consider my, my favorite category of haunted movies, and that's The Exorcist. Uh, anything with the uh, supernatural or demonic possessions or just pretty much the devil himself has always intrigued me. I think it started out from growing up in a really religious household. Um, my parents had very strict rules on what we were allowed to watch. And one thing on the list that we were not allowed to watch was anything with the devil. So I did what any normal person would do, and I just filled my head with every damn devil movie that's ever existed. <laughs> And I think this one just it just takes the cake. It's it's so perfect in every aspect. So many movies, especially with demonic possessions or things like that, they rely on uh just in your face shock factor, just flashy jump scares, and they're super tacky. And this movie it is shocking in areas. It's slow burning, it gets to the point, and then you're not even expecting it, then it just hits you. And it gets you, and it's... You feel in every single character just how little control they have over the situations. And you see this little girl, you see her progress, and you're like, oh, she's adorable, she's great, she's fantastic, she's lovable. And then the character changes. You see it, her take over, you see the things she's doing, the things she's saying, and... The first time I watched it, and every time after that, the things that come out of her just blow me away. They shock me, and the reactions of the priests, the mom, the doctors, it's all priceless. Because you can fill yourself in their positions, asking yourself, literally, what the fuck is going on with this child? <laughs> so, Can I just say my thoughts on The Exorcist, like, real quick? Like... I agree with you, Preston. It, it's a classic. I personally love. I love that, like the main priest guy. He doesn't know how to handle the shit, and he can't. Like he's like, this girl's beyond my powers. And then from the top row, Max von Sydow comes in. It's like, all right, I'll exorcise the bitch. <laughs> I love it, dude. It's like, uh, it's like he came out of retirement. It's like he's here to kick ass and take names, dude. Like. I watched it for the first time like a year or two ago, and I love it, dude. I'd watch it again. Ben just watched it recently. What do you think? <laughs> I'm about to get like booed off this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I, I literally watched it two days ago. Um, I could see why it is so influential. Like it's it's like impossible not to see its fingerprints over so many other horror movies. Um, some of the cinematography is incredible. Like, the iconic shot of him, like, walking up through the fog, incredible. And the way they did everything practically with her as being, like, possessed, 100%, just, like, it's going to hold up forever. But I thought it was too slow. <laughs> like, I, I, it had a hard time, like, like, really, like, trotting along with it as it got to its point. And, like, I think part of the problem is, is that I knew so much of what she does in the movie before seeing it, just from being, you know, aware of pop culture and how it's kind of influenced other things that those like moments weren't as impactful as they could have been. 
Like I imagine seeing that in the seventies would have been an outer body experience. Like I read that people were literally traveling cause it was banned in so many places to see it. And like, that would have been that kind of crazy of an experience seeing it for the first time back then. But, but yeah, I, I probably need to revisit it. This is like, uh, I didn't, it didn't connect to me as, as strongly the first time. I probably need to watch it again. This might be too much of an English teacher question, but have any of you guys read the book? <laughs> no. No. Because, so the, <laughs> but I am buying that right now. It is fantastic. It's, uh, I, the, the copy I happened to read, I checked it out from a library, and it was literally, I mean, probably had not been opened in like 40 years, just this incredibly old copy of it, and it had that old book smell. And that smell combined with just like, you know, late nights reading it by the lamp. Oh, man, it's it's great. I, I actually like the book better than the movie. I don't know about you guys, though. Growing up in, you know, a, a more religious household, did this movie have like a, a mystique over you in as like a child? You'd, you'd hear The Exorcist and it was almost this like otherworldly like, oh, man, we don't even talk about that movie. Oh, for sure. I, I, I remember specifically. In elementary school, our library had these movie special effects books, and those are like there were two of them, and they're honestly the only things I ever checked out or looked at in that library. <laughs> um, but one of them had like a whole section on The Exorcist, and I just remember just like staring at the. I mean, it shows the girl girl's face with the makeup on and everything, and I, I was just blown away. I was just captivated by that. And like it, I always, and so I started to build this kind of like, Oh, this movie is like something special. I had heard about it. I'd all, I'd read all about it. And then I, I actually saw it for the first time. A f- it was probably four years ago. And I'm in between Ben and Preston. Like I, it wasn't a too slow of a burn for me. And I certainly recognize how, of course, how it's appreciated and how it should be. It's an extremely well done movie in all regards. I just didn't think it was that scary. Um, as a, as you know, I, I think, and I think all, I it was all of these years of buildup. It was just like, this is the greatest horror movie of all time. And it's like, Oh my gosh, like, Hey, is this going to be, and it's about the devil possession. And I was ready to just be scared. And honestly, the only image in the entire movie that sticks with me is that brief flash of when you see the demon. <laughs> and I was like, I mean, I can still picture it. Cause that's very effective. But other than that, I wasn't like, there are other movies that I would hesitate to watch before I'd rewatch the exorcist. Um, for the sake of being scary, but that's, that those are my brief thoughts on the exorcist. Came out 49 now, years ago. Yeah. It's crazy. It's part of a series of Exorcist movies. Right? I've Have actually guys... seen Exorcist three. I never saw the second one, but I've seen Exorcist three, which is actually also has George C. Scott, um, and is actually not bad. I watched that a couple years ago, and I actually thought it was pretty good. Okay. Well, it's worth your time. It's one hundred percent worth your time to see it. So it's it is the Godfather of scary movies. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I yeah endorsed. All right, Taylor. Let's keep this stamped. moving. Jaunt, jaunt pod stamped. <laughs> it's got the stamp that everyone's already given to this movie. Right. <laughs> I'll take you guys to 1978, the suburban streets of some town in Illinois. I don't remember, but it's actually Los Angeles. I'm talking about Halloween. John Carpenter's magnum opus, the thing that made him a legend, the iconic theme song. It's in the title. It's a classic. It's a classic. It's 
story of a girl who, you know, just picked the wrong place at the wrong time and kind of looked like someone Michael Myers used to know. So, you know, what can I say about Halloween? It's good shit, right? Michael Myers is out on the prowl. He's out of the mental hospital. His handler's looking for him. He's very dramatic. Evil is stalking the halls this night. And he's just driving around town. <laughs> never finds him. And we got Jamie Lee Curtis, who's babysitting. And she also happens to be in the former home of Michael Myers. Makes her come after. Makes him come after her. So it's spanned a franchise. It's still popular to stay. What, what more can I say? It's good shit. If you haven't seen it, where have you been? Get in on that. It's one of the most influential horror movies of all time. And I don't think that's up for debate, really. Yeah, it has one of the most famous long shots of all time, too. The opening scene has a long take in it where it starts from outside the house, walks you through the in, inside the house. It's a very famous shot. Um, I've seen it in theaters when it's rerun in the theaters. It's a classic. I mean, again, it's a fun this is just more of a fun classic horror movie for me. It's not anything you're going to be scared of. You can watch it at night, you know, and not be too scared. It's not, it's just not going to do that to you. I just think it's a fun one and it's a classic for the, a lot of reasons. Tells you something about John Carpenter too. That's twice. Yeah. In four movies. He's on our classics list. Yep. And there's many others. I think we could probably dig up. The look of Michael Myers. The white face. I think it's I think it's the OG scariest of the 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 villains or the the horror icons. Yeah. It's just so apathetic. Yes. So lifeless. And that thing just chasing you, like I honestly if that thing showed up in my closet, I'd probably just die on the spot, frankly. We got any fans of the new trilogy here? I've only seen the first one of the new trilogy, which I thought was okay, you know. Okay. I I don't think they're as good as the original, but I think they're solid. We got Halloween, Halloween Kills, and then Halloween Ends comes out this year. I think they're worth your time. They don't acknowledge any of the sequels that came after the original Halloween. So, Lori's an old woman. It's set in the future, but I just like the idea of an unkillable evil monster. And one thing I really like about Michael Myers is, like, if you watch in the background of lots of shots throughout the movie, you can see him, like, walking slowly, like, across the background. They don't, like, put, like, any emphasis or focus on it at all. But, like, you can see he's his presence is always there throughout the movie. So, I think it makes it feel more tense. And I don't know. I know uh, Bill Mo said it's not scary, but I'm a little bitch. I still get a little nervous <laughs> with the jump scares. <laughs> So I don't know if I've talked about my uh, history with horror on the pod before. Have I been? No, and I was just going to sidebar on this, but you can tell your side of it. So I was <laughs> horrified of horror as a kid, like terrified. Like I couldn't sleep for night. I'd go and ask to sleep in my siblings' rooms. I was so scared. Like I was just terrified. I was like, hey, can I sleep on your floor? I'm terrified. Something's going to murder get me. The fuck out. I did. Yes. I yes. Did. <laughs> he did. And so there were times where I was horrified. I think the first movie I saw that scared me was Psycho, which Bill Moe's going to talk about later. I love that movie. But I remember... I had a kick with Freddy Krueger for a little bit, which I don't think we talked about Nightmare on Elm Street on our list, but he used to put pictures of Freddy Krueger all over the house. 
So, like, I'd go to sleep, I'd look up at the ceiling, I'd see Freddy Krueger. I'd go to get my underwear out of the drawer, I'd see Freddy Krueger. I, I did sneak, like, pictures into his, like, uh... He dresser. used to do shit like that to me, constantly. In, like, in 2004, I figured out how to set up, like, uh, be able to remotely log into our home computer. So I pretended to log into our home computer and took over the, like, word, and I started typing like I was Freddy Krueger, and I was like, I'm gonna fucking kill you. <laughs> and he was like, what the fuck? Uh, and then my longest con is that I we had these big old captain beds that had like this big section you could like literally fit your whole body underneath. I pretended to leave to go hang out at a friend's house, and then I snuck back into the house and I I like stayed under Taylor's bed for like four hours, and then he went to sleep, and then I came busting out of his bed to scare the shit out of him <laughs> as like a ten year old boy, and like he said, he didn't sleep in his room for like like a year it was pretty bad so i'm sorry taylor across yeah, the line. so no it's fine so i was horrified of scary movies growing up and i got tired of it and so i powered through and i brute forced the shit out of it so i just desensitized myself to where i could watch anything no problem and and then i found a love for horror as an, as an older person so here we are so you know i understand you people out there who like happy things don't like the the dark and macabre but i've seen both sides i'm in the horror side now what a journey Welcome. all right guys <laughs> i'll close us out of the classics i think you guys hit some of the best ones that i may have picked first but i think worth consideration here is poltergeist 1982 written by steven spielberg this is a fun has some creepy moments I think as like a younger child, it's one you could watch and be like, yeah, it's, I think it's rated PG. So you're like, oh, this is pretty good. But I think there's some legit scary shit in this movie. I think it actually has one of the best jump scares that's ever been done. Uh, and I think if you've seen the movie, you know which one I'm talking about with the kid in the bed. It's got some great buildup with the paranormal in the house. It goes over the top in some spots, but it, it's got some great tropes as far as horror movies go. And I think the best thing about this movie that makes it scary is all the weird off-screen shit that happened to the cast. Like, weird weird stuff with people dying young. Just genuinely creepy shit that kind of followed these movies. And then they had some abomination follow-up movies, like Poltergeist 2 and Poltergeist 3, uh, that have some like weird creepy shit in it too, but they're not that great. It, it holds a place, I think, within these as a classic that's probably worth the time. Did you hey. ever see the remake? Uh, how recent was it? I don't think I have. I think it was Sam Rockwell, uh, I don't know, within the last 10 years or something. I have not. Is it worth it worth my time? I, I haven't seen it, so oh, okay. I was curious. Jake, have you seen this one? Yeah, and I'd, I'd heard some of those urban legends around, you know, strange occurrences on, on the film set and, and, you know, kind of a curse following the movie after. Somehow it totally eluded me that Steven Spielberg wrote this movie. I had absolutely no idea. I also had no idea. Apparently this movie was nominated for three Oscars, which is, yeah. is rare as, as horror movies go. So, you know, I guess that's the Spielberg touch. I guess so. I think the cast is really cohesive. I think it works well. And they show them as being, like, real people in a way that felt genuine to me. Like, I don't know why, but seeing the parents get high in their bedroom, like, watching TV, like, that just felt like – Oh, okay. These are just like chill people having a good time. And then all this, you know, shit goes down for the whole family and they just get, you know, the worst, worst string of events ever. Um, 
So yeah, I think that's a fun one. Preston, you seen this one? You in on the poltergeist? Yes, sir. This one gave me PTSD every time I see the fuzzy white screen on TVs. <laughs> yeah. I mean, fast forward, yeah. fast forward ten years of my life, the ring comes out. I see that shit. I cry. It's scary movie because I remember Poltergeist when I watched it when I was eight years old. It scared the shit out of me. It's a great movie. I love it. The pool scene. Yes. Insane. I think and the just, meat scene with the security guard too. Do you remember that one? Yeah. The whole hotel and just that little girl. Every time there's a little creepy girl in a horror movie when she's saying they're back, yeah, some shit like <laughs> yeah. that. They're here. They're here. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's it's you. it's one you can watch with the family too, which is nice. But I think it actually is kind of scary. Like it it'll leave yeah. an imprint on your your six year old if you watch that movie with them. Maybe not six, probably like nine to ten. Oh, you I push think. it? I don't know. Uh, I guess it just depends how hardcore you are. Yeah, and going off of what uh, Jake said, there's actually more to the Spielberg story. There's a lot of contention among Toby Hooper fans that mm. say because there's a, everyone says that Spielberg actually directed it. Um, but Toby Hooper was just kind of put on the credits. So, cause I think as a, like an executive producer, a producer and Spielberg obviously wrote it too. Um, I think he was on, on the scenes quite a bit. And I think there was a lot of rumors that people that worked on the movie said that Spielberg was essentially directing it, even though it was Toby Hooper on the, I mean, wouldn't you say it feels like Spielberg's directing the movie, having the yeah. body of work we have for him. That feels like his movie. Yeah. Me. Yeah. I agree. I don't know worth your time okay um that's the classics from the top honorable mention jake you got one for us yeah i i do this is an honorable mention and i put it in in classics because first of all it's it's an homage to the the old classics movies like you know evil dead um but beyond that i think it's it can be considered a modern classic in its own right it's officially more than a decade old now and i'm talking about 2012's cabin in the woods if any of you guys have seen Cabin in yes. the Woods. I have. Oh, yeah. This, it's a great pick. This is one of the, the best theater experiences I've ever had in my life. This movie is just off the wall from beginning to end. It starts off, you know, you're, you're feeling like it's a standard, you know, hot young people go on vacation and, and things are going to turn out poorly. And it is that, <laughs> but it's also so much more than that. And And – the final act of this movie is just absolutely batshit. It's it's one of the greatest, you know, <laughs> twenty minute stretches in in any movie. It's it's hard to exaggerate the depths. It came out of nowhere, dude. <laughs> it's like a different movie at the end. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> can you? I, I I believe I've seen this, but can you kind of just refresh me on the plot? Because I think I know which movie you're talking about. But yeah, so it's, it's five college kids. They go to a cabin in the woods, as you might have surmised from the title, and they come across a a creepy diary in the basement, and they read from it, and they summon some, you know, it's it's pretty standard in that respect. But then there's also Bradley Whitford and Richard Jenkins in, like, lab coats, and they keep, like, going over to them in, in side scenes, and there's some other stuff going on there. Do you remember what I'm talking about now? Oh yeah, and there's a motorcycle scene that's memorable, correct? Oh, with with a a pre Thor, Thor pre Thor yes. Chris Hemsworth, yeah. correct? I, I think they made this might have come out around the same time as the first Thor, but yeah, good. Yeah, first yeah. Thor was like 2010, 2011, So I think this is like right off the coattails. This is right. He wasn't in that a ballpark. huge star. He wasn't yet. a huge star. Correct. Yeah. It, 
Yes, okay, I am 100% remembering this whole movie now. This it, movie's a lot of fun. This is a good party movie. 100%. Yeah, great pick. Yes. The less you know about this movie, the better, frankly. Yeah, I was speaking cryptically. I didn't want to give too much away. <laughs> You've done great. I know. I just want to, because there's like, knock in the woods. What is it? Knock at the cabin coming out. M. Night, our guy's got a movie. Oh, yeah. Some of these yes. titles, I think, blend together from my brain. I'm in for that movie, by the way. That's, it's going to be so bad, dude. We're going together. Dude, it's we're going here. Like what, trailer. As far as I can tell, one of the antagonists is, is Ron fucking Weasley. Yes. yes. Rupert Grant. He's hopping in, Batista, dude. <laughs> it looks so fucking corny. What we're about to do is going to save the whole world or end the world. It's like, shut up. But shut it's going to be original as hell, and we're going to talk about it on this podcast. It's happening. I hate, I hate it. It's going to have will. a twist. I hate our The movie. twist is either oh, going to really work or it's going to really not. <laughs> dude, I will ride for old. For the rest of my life. Wow. It's going to be oh, botched, dude. dude. We already hashed be... old out. Dude. Right or die. It's botched, bro. Okay. Old as ass. Pick a... All right. <laughs> old as ass. All right. Classics are covered. We'll try and go maybe a little snappier with these next, but these are all deserve some time. So next category, it would be just poor of us to not cover this person in, in greater depth. It's our guy, Stephen King. All right. I think he's probably synonymous with things creepy, things horror. The guy goes to some pretty interesting places, and he's got a lot of volume. I mean, this guy has pumped out a lot of shit. So, Preston, would you mind kicking us off? I think this is a great place to start. I think a lot of people are going to be familiar with your choice from Stephen King. Yeah, my choice uh, is It. This movie was the very first. I'm talking about the original and the new ones. The original was the very first scary movie I ever watched. I was like five years old, standing behind my parents' couch as they were watching it. And the clown, y'all know the scary clown, Pennywise, he comes and terrorizes Derry, Maine, and a bunch of children. And in this movie, the the clown shows up, gets scary teeth, goes to attack the kids. And five-year-old me's behind the couch just <laughs> shitting myself. I start crying, and my mom goes, what the hell is that? Finds me a coward behind the couch. And I have now watched that every couple years. Uh, I think Tim Curry is just phenomenal in that one. It's, it's a much lighter version. It's uh, pretty witty, pretty funny, but has its little scary moments. A little hokey at times. Uh, I think the remakes were just incredible. I think the way they split it up, I think they nailed the kids cast, and I think they nailed the adult cast. And it covers every basis of a of a novel, a Stephen King novel. It covers everything that you want to see in a good horror movie. I think there's some parts that could have been better, could have could have worked more with um, the acting instead of just CGI and kind of yeah. special effects there. But I think overall. It's one of those, you're going to have a good time, and you're going to be scared at the same time. And if you don't like clowns, then you're fucked. But I think, <laughs> I think for me, just, just another tangent, uh, I, I said the first one, the, the 1990 version, it was a TV movie. It was kind of hokey, it was really good, but it was tame. And I was a little worried that the new movies were going to follow that. And they start out... With the f- opening scene, I wondered, how are they going to do my boy Georgie? <laughs> Hiya, Georgie. And I'm sitting in the theater, 
and they just fucking went in on it. They just pulled him in, and you just see this child crawling across the road, blood covered and soaked. Ripped his fucking and arm. And that off. is traumatizing. Shout out to Bill Skarsgård. Yeah, Preston, can yeah, I get a can I get a Tim Curry versus Skarsgård yes. breakdown from you? All right, so Tim Curry. There's one scene in the original that that is the essence of Tim Curry, and he's just the clown that's just dicking around with all these guys. He brings them back to the town, lures them in, and there's a scene he's in the library, and he's terrorizing yes. these dudes, and he has this one little toy that like ratchets. And he's just going ape shit with this, just making fun of them, throwing balloons down, just causing havoc everywhere. So he's like the type that he's he's gonna lure you in, he's gonna entertain you, and then he's gonna kill you at the end. <laughs> then you got Bill Skarsgård. This dude's fucking creepy, man. I think he is more creepy than the clown himself. The scaredest moment I was in the movie is when they show the black and white photo of the flashbacks. <laughs> yeah, and he's not. A creepy clown. He's just a creepy dude with a big head and a scary smile. And he's the type of clown that lures you in, scares the shit out of you, makes fun of you for being scared, scares the shit out of you more, and then kills you. And I think he was just off the charts phenomenal. I don't think they could have picked a better Pennywise. Shout out Tim Curry. I mean, I think he's one of the greats. It's really, really sad what's happened with him. But I actually think his Pennywise, I could, growing up, seeing that, I, again, I had a buddy with that, and we'd watch that movie sometimes. I, I'm still more scared of Tim Curry's It than, or Pennywise than I was uh, Skarsgård. Do you guys feel like the older some of these movies are, the creepier they like feel? Because I feel like yeah. there's a polish to the new It's that yes. kind of it looks like, cleaner. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I There's something gritty mean. about the Tim Curry kitty that's like, it is like, I don't know, it just kind of creeps me out. <laughs> it yeah. looks, and like it could just show up on your like TV screen back in the day, you know, <laughs> like you could just be there at any time. I don't know. Well, it's more makeup than like CG. I think that's the difference, right? Because there's like CG Pennywise in it in certain aspects. But it's like right. the film quality. Yeah, yeah. And it looks, it's yeah. high res. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it's this threshold yeah. you cross it somewhere in like the mid '90s where you go uh-huh. behind that, and then you see something, and you're like, "That's just deranged," because it looks like it came out of your parents' photo <laughs> albums. Yes, <laughs> yeah, right, exactly that. So, Preston, if you're gonna recommend one, should people watch the miniseries or the two-part movies that just came out a few years ago? If you're gonna recommend one, see, this is what's hard is. I think the majority of audiences are going to like the newer ones because they're they're more fast-paced, funner, scarier, bigger stars and bigger names. Where I think the old ones going to be a little too slow, but I think I'd prefer the old ones. So I'd I'd recommend the old one because you got to see you got to see the originals. You'll recognize a lot of the actors from a lot of other movies, and uh, I think it's overall pretty good. Isn't Seth Green in it? I think you're right about yes. that. Yeah. yeah. He's young. Sounds right. <laughs> young wow. dude. Yes, he is. That's a pull. <laughs> I like that. Okay, well, that is a great kickoff to Stephen King. Tay, I'm going to you next, buddy. Throw okay. down. What do we got here? All right. So for my pick, I chose Misery, which is just an absolute banger. Yeah. 
and it's it's funnier when you also realize that the main character is supposed to be Stephen King, right? So it's like it's almost like his nightmare, which makes it almost funnier to me. So <laughs> it's about an author who is driving back from a resort in Colorado, and he crashes up in the mountains. He wakes up. He's in some uh, random ass house he's never been in. He's injured. And it turns out he was rescued by a super fan played by Kathy Bates. And it kind of just shows you like the paranoia that a famous writer might have with meeting a super fan (laughs) and how that could go wrong. And basically the plot of the movie is that he's writing his next book and he's going to kill off her favorite character. And she doesn't like that. And so she wants him to keep her favorite character alive. And I won't spoil the rest of the movie, but it's a all-time performance from Kathy Bates. I believe she won an Oscar for the performance. Well deserved. It's fantastic. James Caan plays the writer. If you haven't, directed by Rob Reiner. It's a fantastic movie. It's a must-watch if you haven't. It it belongs in the classics. I think. Uh, go check this one out this Halloween if you haven't seen it. Seriously, you won't be disappointed. It holds up. It's not slow. It's it's brilliantly written. I I have no like critiques on it like it's it's just solid from start to finish can i give a personal uh like a issue i've had with this movie so i've wanted to see this movie for a long time i should have just watched it by now but i apparently it is my one of my wife's ex-boyfriend's favorite movies (laughs) and so i've been like let's watch misery and she's like no and i'm like why he's like because asshole liked it and i was like Ah, oh, okay. You know, it's kind of like <laughs> cock blocked me a little bit. So I'm gonna I'm gonna sneak it in this October though. Screw that. I'm watching. It's really this. good. It's very, really very good. good. Dude. I, so yeah, I, I'm I'm very excited. I, I love the premise. Kathy Bates is a legend. I I can't wait. So this you pushed me over the top, Tay. If I uh, if I could it, ask Stephen King one question, it would be: Have fans <laughs> treated you differently since you wrote this story? Like. <laughs> Are, are people like walking on eggshells now? Like, I promise I'm not a fucking psycho. I just wanted to shake your hand. Yeah. <laughs> I just I wanted to even... ask you about one of your characters in your books. You know, I'm not trying right. to dictate what happens. <laughs> I think he gave the blueprint for how to fuck with him. Don't you think? I mean, it's like, <laughs> oh, this is what I got to do. All right, dude. It's it's terrifying though. It is. He's, he's completely trapped. Yeah. And there are some really like moments of suspense in that movie that are just top notch. They just you can't top it. Oh, it's really really good. I'm very excited to watch this one. Okay, I'm gonna go next because I think the final two of this category are gonna be where we want to end. Uh, I chose The Mist. Have you guys seen The Mist? Show of hands. Yes. I've I've always wanted to. Okay. I have not seen it. <laughs> this movie is basic as hell. The production value is so corny. And like it seems like a TV movie. May have been a TV. I, think it I don't is. think it was. I think it was a TV. Really? Is it a TV movie? I, I think it may have been a theatrical release. I don't know. But it's got TV movie written all over it. Very basic concept. Shit goes down in Maine. This weird fog starts coming in. This dad and his son go to a grocery store. And then essentially they get trapped at the grocery store with a bunch of other people there. Because the mist is full of all of these creatures that's killing lots of people. Okay, they're stuck there. They kind of have to figure out what they do. You kind of see how people would react, you know, react in a pressure cooker of, you know, not really knowing what's out there. You know, do we do we leave? Do we stay? Why is this happening? How do we handle it? You know, it's kind of all these little microcosms of stuff that's going on. This movie has the best ending. 
and I'm not going to talk anymore about it, mm-hmm. but it's got the best ending. And that it, it warrants every second you spend leading up to it. Cause I think the effects are kind of shitty. I think most of the creatures don't, they're not scary. It's not a scary movie. It's not what the movie's about. No, it's, it's a fun watch. It's a great party movie. And then you get this ending. That's just like, chef's kiss it's polarizing though you might hate the ending i'm gonna i'm not gonna sugarcoat it (laughs) yeah it's it's one of those movies that it's one of those endings that elevates a movie from like yeah those those fine to you either it it either knocks the rating up or down like a full two stars yeah because i've recommended this movie to people and they fucking hated the ending but if the ending didn't happen (laughs) you wouldn't even this movie wouldn't even register in your memory bank after right, it's not song. even worth talking about, dude. We should be talking about Cujo. <laughs> <laughs> we, we didn't know whether this came out in theaters. We still don't. No one would know, right? Everything leading up to the ending, you're like, I don't know who made How this did shit. it come out in theaters? It did. I didn't it's, know it, this it, was it. this was Frank Darabont, the guy who I, did Shawshank. Holy shit. And The Walking and the Dead. Green Mile. Bro. Get in on this, Bilmo. Get so, in on this. And this is this is going to be on my list. This well, you know it's sure. a Walking Dead because you've got Andrea, you've got Carol in this movie. You can see a couple of familiar faces yeah. from the Walking Dead franchise that show up. Oh uh, uh, yeah, yeah. It's it's fun. It's great. Stick in, Bilmo. Please watch and then text me about it after because I want to I want to see your reaction. Um, okay, so let's get to the the end of this category. I I thought Will you would go last, but I think it makes more sense for you to go first based yeah. on this movie. So, Will, hit us off with the instant class, the classic. I think this is actually my favorite on this whole list here. But take it, take it away, buddy. So we have 1980's The Shining. Stanley Kubrick's, Hell you know, yes. one of his best movies. And this was, this was, in my mind, the greatest horror movie of all time until another movie came out that I'll talk about later on this podcast. But this is right there. I mean, is, is, this is almost as good as it gets. And you have... Jack Nicholson at a peak performance, Shelley Duvall, and, you know, as Jack and Wendy Torrance, and then they have their kid, Danny Torrance, and they go up, um, they volunteer, you know, I guess they're kind of picked, and, you know, Jack Nicholson agrees to basically watch this hotel in Colorado, the Overlook Hotel, while during the winter, because it gets so bad up there that there's some things that need to be maintained up there, but no one can drive up there, live there. And so they basically are closed in for the entire winter up at this hotel. And when they go up, you know, Jack Nicholson thinks it's a great time to get to his writing. He's kind of a teacher wanting to work on his writing and kind of has a weird relationship with his, you know, kid and his wife that you kind of get some peeks into the past about that. Um, And some spooky stuff starts going on at this hotel during their stay. And, um shit just gets wild like truly wild in this movie and what i really really love about this movie is the way kubrick handles tension because i don't think there's a single jump scare per se that you would see in a typical horror movie and there's plenty of opportunities i mean it's not that there's no shocking moment there's plenty of shocking moments there's plenty of um, very There's, eerie, uh, creepy, uh, weird blowjobs at random times. Dude, I mean, some, I mean, seriously, some of the imagery of this movie is just is forever ingrained in my brain, and it is it's that kind of horror and that kind of direction that is the most effective to me. Because to me, the jump scares are more of like a haunted house. You go, you freaked out for a second, but as soon as you leave, you can kind of forget about it. You move on. That was fun. Whatever. The Shining just sticks with you. 
you know, like yes. it, it, the imagery, the feel, the, it just gives you the creeps throughout the entire movie. And it's, it's one of the best horror movies of all time. There's no question. And if you really want to do, after you watch the shining, if you really want to go deeper, watch the documentary called room two, three, seven. I saw this at Sundance and it basically just goes, I, it opened a whole new world to the shining that I never knew existed. Um, about obsessive fans who find meanings, different meanings within The Shining itself that Kubrick apparently has put into it. So, I mean, this movie will last forever. It'll it'll hold up forever. Um, it's worth visiting every year, at least once a year. Great movie. Nicholson's out of control in this one. <laughs> he's insane. He's out of he's 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 out of control. He's perfect. Shelley Duvall, while a pretty horrible actress, I think it, it, she she can come off that way. I think, but it works. Given in the in the, like my wife, she watched this movie one time. She's like, never again. I can't watch Shelley Duvall. Like she absolutely cannot stand her. <laughs> so just the way she talks fair, and acts. Do you think it was fair the way she was treated on the movie? It seemed like she endured quite a yes. bit of psychological abuse going through this. Yeah, that that's come out um, over the years that Kubrick definitely. I mean, as he treats most of his actors, I don't think she's one to single out. He treats most of his actors pretty, just due to his you know hyper perfectionist style of you know a million takes and doing things a certain way. But Shelley Duvall definitely got I think the worst of it, and that probably did have an effect on her. I mean, there's no question that I think sometimes you can see it um, in some of those scenes, but. Yeah, I, uh, there's this, we could do an entire three hour podcast on this movie and still be only scratching the surface. It's a great movie. Thing about The Shining is that it's just vibes. Like, it's yeah. just, it's just oozing with a vibe. Yeah. It's just this creepy vibe throughout the whole thing. Like, yeah. you don't even really need to pay attention to what's going on. It's just, you're going to feel creepy, like, throughout the whole. Yeah. It's unsettling. So, yeah. The it's, score is phenomenal. It's, yeah, the opening tracking shot over those windy roads going up to the hotel. I mean, it just kind of sets the stage of isolation that is really hard to uh, imagine. So I, I got to ask you guys: Would you uh, take the gig? Would you Would you show up? How much do you got to get paid to be at the Overwatch Hotel for a winter? Overlook, I believe. O- Overlook, excuse me. <laughs> Jake, how much you taking? To write write a book, yeah, that, record some YouTube videos. That's the thing is is I'm an introvert, man. I have no trouble entertaining myself up there. Just just give me that delicious food. <laughs> so you you're in. <laughs> that's you're, all you need. Taking, it doesn't even be paid. He's like, yeah, I'll do, I'm just going. <laughs> and I guess now would be different. I mean, you, with all the entertainment options you have, you know, it would definitely be a much different experience. It, does the Overlook get Wi-Fi? Like, how late is it to that party? <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> It does now for sure. Maybe not in 1980. Let's say now. no Wi-Fi for this experience. No Wi-Fi. Keep going. Fuck that. It's just you and your family. Your <laughs> yeah. <wife>. I'm out. <laughs> no, no Wi-Fi? No I'm Wi-Fi. Out. We can't do the yeah. pod if there's no Wi-Fi. I can't do that. You can record the solo pod up there by yourself. Yeah. <laughs> it's all your recordings. I bet it'll be fantastic when you release it later. Yikes. It, yes. If you haven't seen this movie, you have to see this movie. I no more to be. It's seen. an all timer. Um, okay, and that leads in to Jake. You give us the rundown here, buddy. I haven't seen this one, so I, I need you to sell me on this. All right. So just just to be clear, uh, to to give Will his flowers here, The Shining is 
the greatest Stephen King uh, film adaptation, um, at, at least in the horror genre, and quite possibly the best horror movie of all time. Um, that being said, I will point out that Stephen King famously hates this movie, yes. The Shining. <laughs> Despises it. And, uh, yeah. and, and that kind of puts people who are fans of both, like myself, in a, in a weird position, because I, I think the movie's absolutely brilliant but i really like king's novel as well and and i i see why you know he's he's upset with some of the changes that were made and in 2000 i want to say 13 he released a sequel to the shining uh dr sleep is what it's called and it's basically the story of danny the little kid in the shining all grown up now and dealing with his own personal demons as you might expect and I, I almost think there's there's George Martin syndrome where, you know, the the film adaptation of The Shining kind of affected, you know, I think he, he was going to write this sequel a lot sooner. And, it, you know, it ended up taking him, you know, 30 something years because just, you know, the, the bitter taste in his mouth with that movie. The movie adaptation of Dr. Sleep came out in 2019. And it was directed by Mike Flanagan, who he's one of my favorite directors in horror right now. He's put a couple series on Netflix, The Haunting of Hill House, Midnight Mass is one mm -hmm. of my favorite uh, pieces of horror media, um, maybe of all time, certainly in recent years. And, and Flanagan has a really weird job because he's got to thread the needle of pleasing fans of King's original book, which ended very differently from the movie, as well as pleasing, you know, the many fans of, of Kubrick's movie. And trying to, you know, make a good adaptation of this of this sequel novel that King wrote. And he threads this needle perfectly, man. This movie is is fan service in all the best ways. It nails the I, I mean, it, it incorporates the original ending of King's book in in ways that I think are are really ingenious while still staying true to the, the vision that Stanley Kubrick had uh with his film. I am honestly blown away at, at how good this was 2019 is one of my favorite all-time years for movies and this is my favorite movie from that year dr sleep is a phenomenally Damn. worthy sequel yeah so i, I was actually oh sorry go ahead babe. no no you, you go Come on. I, I was glad you picked this one because uh this kind of actually slipped my radar uh when we were going through the list because i saw this in theaters and i even uh i watched i sought out to see the director's cut um, which has an extra, I, I believe, 20 to 30 minutes in it. Um, but it's a very good movie. Um, I, I, I mean, I, I'm a huge fan of Ewan McGregor. He was perfectly cast. Um, but I, I, as someone who's never read either of the novels, I was able to just go from movie to movie um, and treat that as kind of the basis of my knowledge of the extent of what Stephen King was doing. Um, but I, I really like it. It's a really effective sequel um it's well directed flanagan i'm a fan um i have an honorable mention i'll bring up of his it's not the first stephen king adaptation he's done but uh yeah i really i really like this one i like dr and i actually didn't know that the sequel to the book took that long to write that's news to me for some reason i thought that was just somewhere in the 90s that it was written i don't know but that that surprised me i have always been scared of this movie by the runtime because I see it's that long. two hour and a half, and I'm like, what are they doing for two and a half hours in this movie? <laughs> but it, 
it, it does it drag? Do you feel like it's well paced, Jake? Or no? Well, I mean, I mean, King's novels. He's he's not exactly famous for being brief, and so right. I, I, there's there's a lot of source <laughs> material to work with, and it's it really comes down to do you like the universe that the filmmaker and that Stephen King have created enough that you're willing to spend two and a half hours there? For for some movies, it's like I can barely stomach ninety minutes. For this one, I I could have done another half hour, and I actually didn't know there was a director's cut with extra footage, so I'm gonna have to check that out. But but yeah, yeah, runtime's not great. a problem for me. Okay, I love this endorsement. And shout out Rebecca Ferguson; she's also excellent in this movie. Oh yeah, so creepy, creepy as hell. <laughs> Phenomenal. She's smoking. Yeah, that's what gets you. <laughs> she's the perfect one to lure you in, and then yes. you're dead. Yes. Ooh, honeypot. Okay. All right. <laughs> Who wants to go first on this honorable mention? I'm looking forward to some, uh, maybe not the most glowing uh, recommendations on some of these. Preston, why don't you take us away? I'm, I'm I should curious. go last. I should go last. Yeah, you can go last. Preston. All right. I want to so, hear about this book. You brought up The Mist, Ben. I yeah. love the movie. I think you nailed it on the head. The acting's kind of shitty. The story's <laughs> kind of shitty. Ending's fantastic. Just yeah. pulled everything together. Thomas Jane is the leading man in that. He also did, uh, he's the leading man in Stephen King's adaptation, 1922. I was pumped for this. I was so excited for the story about a uh, husband, wife, kind of had marital problems, have a kid growing up in uh, 1920s Kansas. They have a farm. Wife wants to sell a big chunk of the farm, and the husband doesn't. I am not from kansas i am not from the year 1922 but i'm pretty damn sure nobody talked like thomas jane when he's like the only thing a man got the man's got his son <laughs> and it's like the dude came off more like jim varney in the old Ernest movies than, and that just ruined it for me the whole damn time you had to have subtitles like you're watching swamp people and you can't understand the damn word he's saying Overall, the movie was pretty decent. The storyline was good. Talks about the progression of a man making a decision that causes extreme guilt and ultimately fades down into the darkness. But for me, every time that man spoke, I was hoping that the rats in the movie would come and eat me first. <laughs> another, another, another point on the rats. There, there's one part. No. I think it's spoilers. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to leave that out. This isn't exactly a glowing we, recommendation, so I think you're <laughs> yeah, good. All right, all right. Down, bro. Go for it. All right, so the spoiler. So one of the more powerful wannabe scenes of the movie is the husband has convinced the son they're going to kill the mom. And they go, and he's just, the boy's standing there with a pillowcase, and the dad's standing there with a knife just going, Come on, son, it's time. <laughs> then they hold her down. It's just thrashes about for like three minutes of just the most poorly executed murder. And then afterwards, the the man says the greatest quote. He says, a lot of people say that murder is sin, that murder is damnation, but murder is a lot of work. And he starts That's bitching about how he's got to get rid of the body. <laughs> And so they wrap her up in a bedsheet and throw her down their well. And then the next scene, she somehow is unwrapped herself from the sheet and is getting eaten by the rats. So these rats, 
did some pretty damn good work at the bottom of this well <laughs> to unwrap their meal before going out. It's just details throughout this movie that just set me off. It's just, I recommend it if you just want to watch a crappy movie with subtitles. But. So I, I did see this because um, it, it's a Netflix original. Um, and I just remembered, I mean, I, I remembered there was some effective parts in this movie that were genuinely scary. I thought that's I mean, I could still think of some, but I think I think when the wife or the mom was like coming back to haunt them or something that there was some really effective parts in that regard. But yeah, very forgettable at the same time. So not much yeah. else to say on it. I agree with that. Hmm. I'm intrigued now. This is a good camp watch, I think. All right. Uh, Jake, honorable mention here. Yeah, this is actually yeah. this isn't Stephen King per se. Um, but I, I just wanted to make everyone aware listening that Stephen King's son, Joseph Hillstrom King, has has been publishing books for a couple decades now under the pen name Joe Hill, uh, I guess so as not to, you know, write off the coattails of his father's success. And uh, he's a very good writer in his own right. And um, a movie was just released earlier this year based on one of his stories called The Black Phone. And uh, I don't have too much to say about this other than Tay and I went to see this earlier this year together. And uh, and we had a great time. We both really liked it. Um, this is a... I jumped out of my seat like a bitch at one point. <laughs> <laughs> you remember that? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the exact part. Good man. for some good jumps, dude. He's good for that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's good. It, it feels like Stephen King. It's got the whole childhood nostalgia kind of stand by me flavor. Um, yeah, worthy addition to the to the King pantheon. Yeah, I like that deep cut going to the sun. You know, that's great. Yeah, Progeny there, and I think it's on Peacock right now. You got that if you got that app. So you yeah, I, I like Scott Derrickson. He directed it. I love Ethan Hawke. I mean, it has. I that's definitely that was on my list to catch it, but I missed it in theaters. So I need to Yo, I need to watch. Bilmo, it. Speaking of Scott Derrickson, can you talk about your feud with him on Twitter? I'm just, I'm, <laughs> I'm just like, <laughs> you've got an axe to grind with Scott Derrickson. Oh man, let me just be brief with this. So Scott Derrickson. Um, you know, I think he's a good director. I like Doctor Strange. Sinister was 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 pretty solid. Um, and, and I do want to see the black phone, but anyway, he, he had a tweet a little bit ago and he also directed the exorcism of Emily Rose and he was tweeting at somebody saying, Oh, like I'm a, I'm a young person. Like what was, I feel like I'm never going to make a movie. How old were you? And something along the lines of how old were you when you made your first feature? And he said, Oh, I was so-and-so I was such and such years old, 30 something years old when I made exorcism of Emily Rose. And I'm like, hold on. That wasn't your first feature, Scott. You go back through his filmography, he actually directed a Hellraiser movie, Hellraiser Inferno. And I think it went direct to video. And so I keep raising this issue with him on Twitter. I'm go, hey, didn't you make him a Hellraiser movie? And then the he'll like, yeah, I got the, re- got the receipts. And um, if you go through my Twitter, I don't tweet a whole lot. So if you no. go, just go look at my tweets, you'll see all the things that I actually tweeted at him. I always, he, he'll tweet something random. And it's my older brother's in on this too, because we've talked about it. And we're like, why is he like running away from his first feature film? That's his first project. And he's acting like, like you even look in his bio and he's like, oh, I'm the director of Exorcism, Emily Rose, Sinister, Doctor Strange, Black Phone. I'm like, why don't you mention Hellraiser, dude? Like, it's it doesn't look like it's a bad movie. I've never seen it, but it's like it has, 
you know, decent ratings on IMDb, but every time he mentions something on Twitter, I always try to tie it back to like, oh, is it just like Pinhead from your Hellraiser movie, or is it? <laughs> I just want him to acknowledge it in some way, shape, or Dude, form. Bill, Bill Mo's- whether. Bilmo's gonna end up in Scott Derrickson's house one of these days with a Kathy Bates mallet from Misery. Like it wasn't your first movie, Scott. <laughs> I just see him outside his house, like, hey, hey, what about Hellraiser two, dude? Look at me. No, dude, it's like the, it's like the fifth. Away. I think it's like the fifth installment of Hellraiser. That's like, it's. I haven't seen any of the Hellraiser movies, which I I really am trying to make a point to watch the first one because I've always wanted to watch it, but. I now I I'm fascinated with this Hellraiser Inferno. I need to watch it so I can. Hellraiser has one of those all-time VHS covers. And yes, like the, the the blockbuster. You'd go and be like, "Holy shit!" Something goes down. In it's this abrasive. Movie. Yeah, it's a very abrasive. He's got, the, he's got cover. all the nails or pins in his head. You're like, "That something's happening with that." Yeah, one. yeah. So uh, if you ever see Scott Derrickson out there between him, just give him give him some give him an old fuck fuck you from Bill Murray. You know? <laughs> just say hey. You you made Hellraiser, man. I want you to admit it. Own up, buddy. Yeah. So anyway, you're there's the brief the feud I have, ongoing feud I have with Scott Derrickson. All right. And give us your honorable from uh, Stephen King. Yeah. So honorable is Gerald's Game. Uh, Mike Flanagan. It was a Netflix original. Netflix loves Mike Flanagan. I mean, they gave him Haunting of Hill House. They gave him Gerald's Game. They gave him the Bly Manor. And um, I think they, and they also gave him the midnight mass which i i do need to watch but and a new one that's coming out or is oh another one the midnight nice. club or something yeah, so, like that yeah. oh yeah yeah and so yeah netflix loves flanagan and for good reason i think flanagan my, my only issue with flanagan all of his movies have a template uh and i mean like i guess color palette they all look and even dr sleep like they all look the same they all and, and you know that's his style that's whatever but i, I don't i'm not in I'm not particularly in love with how his movies look all the time. A lot of they, muted They kind of greens. almost have a, yeah. And they, it's almost like a it borderline is like TV movie palette vibes in some ways. And some of his writing comes off that way, but Gerald's game was very effective. I had never read the book. You know, it was a great watch. There are scenes in that movie that images that stay in my mind. Um, that really freaked me out. There were some really, really creepy and effective scenes in that movie. And overall, great premise and great tension. So another great, I think it's a good Netflix watch. It's a perfect Netflix watch. Hell yeah. All right, Taylor, bring us home. Stephen yeah. King, baby. Children of the Corn, motherfuckers. Let's go. 1984 classic. We're diving into dark, shitty Stephen King, which is one of my favorites. This movie's wild. It's got savage children. It's revolving around the vegetable corn. It's their calling card when they kill people in this town. It's a off-the-walls movie. It's one you can laugh at. It's a good time. I don't need to go into it more. You got the clip. That was our boy Isaac, an incredible performance. And then just in passing, check out the miniseries, The Lingoliers. Oh, and, yes. And uh, if, you have, if you have something that can make your mind a little loopy, it might be a good idea to pull it out because that, that miniseries is wild, dude. Check it that out. That miniseries, Lingoliers, starts so strong. 
and it ends so badly. Yes. Like, it, it goes off the rails. Preston, you've seen it, I'm, I'm guessing? Yeah, we, we had a terrible experience. We, we got – I was like – I was with my parents, and we're like, we're going to watch this. I was pretty young. And I was like, let's get this movie. So we got the VHS at Blockbuster, went home, watched it. It's a fucking two-parter, man. Yeah. We didn't have a second VHS. It's like four hours. It ended so poorly, we didn't go back to get the second one. Dude, me and Ben watched that the first time on Sci-Fi Channel with commercials. Like it was like Sunday. it was like oh six hours. God, That's a full marathon. <laughs> it was okay, crazy. But, but the premise is insane because it starts with everyone's on a plane and everyone that's asleep. When they wake up, they're on the plane and everyone else is gone. And so, like, they're like in a different dimension. You're like, what is going on? How are we going to land this plane? What's going to happen? It it's so intriguing, and then you get down on the ground, and everything goes to shit. It's so so disappointing. But it's too bad. It's got a great hook at the beginning. The problem just, is showing the Lingoliers. <laughs> it's it's the definition of CGI torpedo torpedo. Just destroying your movie. Yeah, it you know how you know how with movie. like with with Jaws, they say the the greatest thing they did was not showing the shark. Yeah, they sh- whoever made Langoliers should have watched Jaws before they made Langoliers. I just I just don't see what your problem is with Pac Man just destroying the universe. <laughs> it's like just not like shit. Pac Man. It's like yeah. <laughs> it's like if you drew Pac Man while you were high and you only yeah. had half a pen that was running out of it. Yes. Look it up. It's it's an, it's an abomination. It's a good start, though. Get you going. All right. Great pull right there, Tay. Really appreciate that. Uh, okay, let's get into Slasher Flicks. I'm going to go first because I am the least attached to this movie of all the others in this category. I guarantee it. I think, Preston, you picked what I would put as my first choice. Um, the movie I selected is It Follows. All right. Relatively new movie. Came out within the last decade. The short of it is is if you bone, you're in trouble, all right? If you have sex, <laughs> not going to go well for you. And the premise is is that it's essentially like an STD, right? Somebody gets this, like, the last one to do it, right? Whoever you have sex with, you essentially pass on this demon that's going to follow you and kill you. And it takes the shape of anything or any person in your life. So it could be an old lady. It could be, like, your best friend. And it just slowly walks towards you constantly. It never stops. I think that's the most effective thing about this movie is that concept of just this relentless force that isn't going to quit. I don't think this movie works a hundred percent for me. Like, I don't think I was like scared, but I find it disturbing that I could travel 3000 miles away. And there's just this thing just walking towards me. Eventually it's going to cry and kill me one day. And it's kind of like this looming feeling that we have with death, right? It's like, it's always there. It's always coming. You don't know when it's going to get there or what it's going to look like. And so I find that as a theme is extremely effective. Um, all the rest of the execution of the movie, I didn't think it was super um, memorable in a lot of ways. But any, anybody have a strong opinion on this one? Well, I'm with you, Ben. I, I didn't think the movie itself was that scary. But there is one particular scare in this movie is, uh-huh. is one form that the uh, – that the monster takes. Okay. I nearly shit. It is one of the most. <laughs> is it? I think I know what scene you're talking about. I think you do. Yeah. Yeah. Is it like? Okay, it involves. It involves height. I will. I will. Yes. Yeah, you know what in, I'm in talking a small about. Small doorway. Holy shit. We're thinking the same thing. <laughs> yeah. That is the scariest moment in that movie. That yeah. caught me so off guard, dude. Oh my god. 
do you guys yeah. like Gilmo? Do you like the theme of it? I, I don't want to cut you off, but do you like the theme of that? It's kind of like horror movies tend to punish those that are promiscuous, right? Basically, if you have sex yes. in the movie, you're going to get killed. Yeah, and this it's movie always kind of dives into that, right? Yeah, it's like it's always the instead of running off to a barn, you know, and getting slashed like these other movies where it usually takes place. It's I I did I actually, I did find this movie pretty effective. I remember seeing it in theaters, but like you said. Nothing really memorable, uh, like ever, really sticks with you about it. I mean, I saw it. That was a long time ago. Now that was like eight years ago, mm-hmm. and maybe I've seen it once again since. But um, I love the the concept of it. I think it's a great concept for a horror movie, and I think it that idea, like you said, it's just it's something that's never going to quit. Like there's, it's you can't escape it. Like you can delay it as much as you can, but you you truly can't escape it. And I think that's a great premise. Yeah, and the concept that like you could pass it on to someone else. Yeah. But eventually, you know, they'll die and then it goes back to you, right? And so yep. you could be five, ten, fifteen people removed, but twenty you years. Know, yeah, you know? but you know it's out there. It's yeah. Some way, right? You're always yeah. living it living yeah. with that on yeah, in the back of your head. It's a great metaphor. I, I think that's it is a great metaphor, right? The movie didn't scare me, but the idea of that scares the shit out of me. So yeah. I, I give it I give it a thumb up on that. Okay. Uh, Taylor, let's go to you, buddy. This next one. This is a this is another classic slasher flick, baby. Okay, yeah, this is another. This could easily be in the classics, I think. So this is Wes Craven's Scream. Which have we all seen Scream? Oh yeah. Here, I have not seen it. This Ooh. is a blind spot for me. Really? Surprisingly. All yeah. right. S- Scream takes basically. It's a very meta horror film. It takes into account all of the horror films that came before it, right? The cliche that started with Halloween and Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street. And it kind of creates like a meta narrative around that. So it's about a a girl and a bunch of high schoolers. And there's a killer on the loose who's got the iconic ghost mask on. That's all they know about him. Runs around with a knife. Courtney Cox is in it. She's a reporter. David Arquette's a cop trying to find it. And basically, it's it's basically a meta slasher flick, almost. It's hard to describe until you've watched it, right? Like, like the kids have a meeting, and the, they're, like, throwing out ideas. And there's one kid that's like, haven't you guys ever seen a horror movie? That's a terrible idea. And so then, like, the a girl will do a cliche slasher horror chick move, and she'll get killed, like, immediately, right? <laughs> and so it's just a fun movie. It's... There's a new TV series out or that came out a few years ago. It's actually kind of decent. I don't know if any of you guys have seen it. Um, I think Scream's a fun franchise, so check it out if you're into slashers. And it's a fun party movie too. I would say. Do you find this movie scary? I find it tense at times. Right. I I find for me, I think visual visual scare me more than kind of situations so like a demon face will scare me more than someone afraid that they're going to get stabbed just personally but i find it exciting so i definitely feel it's tense but i wouldn't say it's gonna give you nightmares unless you live in a big house by yourself and you're afraid of a home intruder coming in and stabbing you so but i don't know if that's anybody here nope okay that's a classic all right, let's go to let's go to let's go to Preston. Preston, this is an excellent choice. 
and one that I wish I would have wrote down first. All right, so slasher flicks, there's so many, and I was racking my brain over it. I love Scream. I love that whole franchise. Um, There's one movie that I couldn't quite place into one specific category, and so for this one, I picked American Psycho. I think for this one, the basis, you got Patrick Bateman, played by Christian Bell. He's your your investment banking Wall Street D-bag. Bro. That just... Yeah, yeah, he's just <laughs> he's a shark, my dude. Yeah, you got you got Christian Bell, Josh Lucas, Justin Theroux, Bill Sage, like all of them are just these frat bros that made it onto Wall Street, make a shit ton of money, and just they're just misogynistic assholes that just <laughs> do whatever they want, think whatever they want, and they're just over the top, and they're all psychopaths. But Christian Bell's character, Patrick Bateman. He's just so over the top on everything of just he's one tiny tick away from just going ape shit and murdering everybody. <laughs> and I think the thing that gets me the most in this movie, there's there's a couple scenes they're just obsessed over these business cards. Love Dude, this scene. That's one of the greatest I'll let you talk about it. It's one of the greatest it's not, scenes. I love bro. this scene so much. Top ten scene, bro. It's incredible. Give us give us give us your thoughts, Bill on the business cards <laughs> i've like sent this youtube video to so many people because it's just such it represents such a great like it's just such a smart scene so like you have the everyone's in the office and there's this guy paul allen who's jared leto plays that christian bell like envies and i think a majority oh. of the people in the movie really envy they think he has the the better lifestyle hey paul and so, <laughs> and so that someone comes in there and they have like they start showing off their business cards like i think patrick bateman notices one and like oh like this is this has raised lettering and they mention the color and the it feel of it shell. and then everyone it's like everyone is just like sword fighting like with their dicks like that's pretty much what they're doing the whole scene is they're just trying to show off who is who has the better business card and, you know, Patrick Bateman thinks he does. And then all of a sudden they realize Paul Allen's left the room and they have Paul Allen's card. And, you know, Patrick Bateman's like, I need to see that business card. He's like, hey, let's see Paul Allen's card. And he pulls it out and it shows. And it, and Patrick Bateman has a great like inner monologue of just like extreme jealousy. Like, I can't believe he has a better business card than I do. Oh, my God. It, looks, and it, it even has like a watermark. He's yeah <laughs> it's it's, it's such a great oh, I, I it's just such a great scene it's so well done i love it and the thing that's masterful to me i think is they're the same fucking car for every <laughs> single person there's this like slight different shade of differences yeah, yeah eggshell. and he's Bro. he's just sweating profusely He's almost aroused by the. <laughs> he is aroused. He's, aroused. He's, He's always hard. He's never not hard. Come on. I mean, uh, yeah. But it's. Would you say the movie feels kind of dreamlike, where you don't know what's reality and what's in his head? I feel like oh, the yeah. entire movie feels that way, which is oh, so yeah. wonky. Because you can start it and end it, and you're like, I don't know what was real and what was not. I have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. The, the level of satire is intense in this. Oh movie. yeah. And the dreamlike feeling you have is so intentional right it's like everything about it puts you in this state that's like who and the is weird the, the weirdness is topped off with willem dafoe with a yeah. great performance it's phenomenal yeah. it's so good 
I mean, that opening monologue with him in the shower talking about his routine. Yeah. It's all time stuff, man. But the thing that's wild is it kind of has the Wolf of Wall Street effect where people idolize him and like yeah. try to emulate him, even though he's clearly a satire. And how, <laughs> same with Wolf of Wall Street. They're not saying, hey, you should want to be like these guys, but there's like a whole community about. Yeah. And on that note, I'd say that American Psycho is a pretty good uh, companion piece to Fight Club. Dealing with a lot of the same things came out around the same time, and and yeah, it's some some misguided male fans who who are under the impression that the protagonist is just really fucking awesome. <laughs> and and most importantly, we get to watch Jared Leto in both get the sh- shit kicked out of him in both. Absolutely, That's, that is true. <laughs> His best think- roles. Yeah, I mean, have have you guys? Morbius, I think he really did good. <laughs> I got to ask a question about this. Have you guys ever once heard any reference at all to Huey Lewis in the news without thinking of American Psycho? No. Yeah, I don't think so. No. I think Huey ever. Lewis in the news rules, though. Just for the record, <laughs> I think it's good shit. <laughs> I'll give you that. It holds up. Oh <laughs> yes. All right, American Psycho, fantastic top tier movie. All right, Jake, let's get uh yeah, let's get into this one. All right. So go down for us. <laughs> I I mean, where to start? Jesus. Okay. Yeah. We're talking about one of the first horror movies that A24 ever came out with back in 2015. It's called Green Room. This is psycho shit. This movie is top to bottom. I I feel like a lot of slasher movies they'll either be very tongue in cheek or they'll have some mm-hmm. kind of camp or some kind of cultural commentary. This, this is just pure slasher at, at its essence. This is essentially a movie about a band, uh, like a, a rock band who they're not very good, um, but that's another conversation. They witness a murder and then get attacked by the group of, of neo-Nazis that commit this murder. And it, led by Patrick Stewart, incidentally, in a, a pretty surprising uh, turn from him. Once mm-hmm. this movie gets going, it it does not stop. Honestly, I, the first time I saw this, I was grateful when it ended, just for the reprieve. I was in I was in fight or flight mode the whole fucking time. This is this is one of the craziest movies I've ever seen. There is some shit that happens in this movie that I will just never forget. It is my my brain is is scarred with various i you you go i can't talk about this fucking movie in a good anymore. way in a good way yeah <laughs> it's hard in a good way has has anyone else seen it oh yeah, yeah. oh it's i i i mean similar vibes with what jake's saying it's such a it's insane it doesn't once it gets going you you really can't relax i mean it's a pressure cooker movie for sure it's just building 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 and then it finally explodes and it is relentless and so visceral. It's not one I would like rush back to rewatching. I just and R.I.P. Anton Yelkin. You know, yeah, it was oh, a yeah. great role for him too. Does anybody know the final line? I remember thinking that was a badass way to end the movie. Oh yeah, what does he say? I can't remember. Like, what 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 movie or what song would you bring to an island or whatever? And she's like, "Who fucking cares?" <laughs> 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 After yeah, what they went through, I was like, "That's fantastic!" Yes, what a move. That movie's a grimace movie for me, if I remember. Correctly, oh yeah, where there's so much where I'm just like, "Oh, I don't want to see yes. this." Yes, I love the director too. I love Jeremy Saulnier. I think he has some really good stuff. 
in his filmography already. Not for and, the faint of heart. No. Yeah, and I love that there was a moment where the Green Book came out and people got this movie and that movie mixed up. <laughs> Can you imagine going in through the Green in, Book yeah. and you got the Green Room? Oh my Bunch of like old libs. Let's fire this up. Yeah. This is a feel good. You know, I kind of like this club, you know, honestly. Like, kind of like what these people Hey, no, no shade for Green Book, though. I like Green, Green Book. Book. No shade for Green Book. That's a good movie. It's fine. A controversial Best Picture movie. winner. Yeah. Yeah, we don't need to. We don't need to get into it. Herschel is good. Come on, all good. Bigo, all right. And now an iconic, just one of the OGs. Will slasher flick. Yeah. So I just couldn't think of anything else except Psycho. I mean, that's the only one that came. The the original 1960. um, You know, I know there's been a a remake and some sequels to it, but um, this I. I've seen a handful of times, but I have to say it's one of the most fun movies to watch with someone who hasn't seen it before. Mm. Um, I think it was three or four years ago. I watched it with my wife for the first, she hadn't seen it. And it was, it, I, I love just like, cause I know how it ends. I know what happens in it, but I like seeing how other people react to it and how, you know, are they, are they making the connections? Was this an obvious, because it's a kind of ending that, we see in so many other movies that followed after, you know, it's like you see it and you're like, Oh, that's it. It's like, Oh, I think most people that would see it today would think that because they've seen so many other movies that copy that, you know, or imitate it. And so to see the kind of one of the original, um, you know, twist turn movies, it's, it's so well done. Alfred Hitchcock, it's, it's, and especially for its time, he was pushing boundaries already to release this kind of movie. It's also a fun fact. I think it was the first movie ever to be shown in theaters that showed a toilet flush, which is what? very interesting <laughs> because you weren't allowed to show that. It was like part of the Hayes code in movies that you actually couldn't, um, weren't allowed to show certain things. So huh. Hitchcock really pushed the boundaries with this. And I think a lot of movies like that followed in that same era, Rosemary's baby, a lot of movies that followed it, really had this movie to thank for Hitchcock pushing the boundaries. Um, it's a very tight, um, thrilling, tense, uh, nice little slasher flick. And I think everyone needs to see it. I wish the people I love- who made the rule that you can't show a toilet flush, whoever made that rule, I wish you could just sit them down clockwork orange style and make them watch Green Room. <laughs> I... I love Psycho too, and the thing I really like about it is it doesn't sacrifice story for scares. No, I think I think, right. the, I think the story itself is really engaging. You get mm-hmm. attached to the characters. I also think if you have the option to watch it in color or black and white, I would recommend watching it in black and white over color. Personally. I didn't realize there was a color version. I mean, either yeah, I would avoid I, it. The black and white is. Yeah, I think I think I saw a colorized, but I would go black and white if you have the option. I think it's. I think it's timeless. And now, yeah. Has anyone seen the Vince Vaughn remake? I haven't curious. bothered. I'd be Why? curious to check it out. Because <laughs> it's weird. Vince Vaughn, you know? It's like, what an odd role for him. But anyway. Interesting. I didn't even realize that. Okay, Jake, you want to hit your honorable mention? Only one in this category. Yeah, I just, I just want to direct people to a couple movies that have come out in theaters this year. If you haven't heard of them, they're, one's a prequel to the other. They're called X and Pearl. 
if you're a fan of slasher movies, X is a must watch. It's kind of simultaneously an homage and, and, and a copycat of old slasher movies, but also about halfway through starts doing its own really fresh original thing, subverting a lot of, a lot of tropes. And, uh, and then a prequel called Pearl came out just a couple months after, I think maybe four or five months after Ty West, the director of these movies filmed them back to back. And he did this, he's, dives into the second project before he even knows if the second if the first one's going to do any good which is incredibly ballsy both on his part and a24 the studio that that funds him that is impressive. they're uh they're both really good movies i actually it's not as much of a slasher movie as as x was but i thought pearl was even better than the first and uh yeah i'm just i'm really happy with where the horror genre is at this year those are two of the best nice didn't even I wasn't even aware of those. So that's fantastic. Added to the list here. Okay, gentlemen, that concludes our slasher flicks. We're now moving in to the demon, monster, zombie, whatever weird shit you want to see in a movie category. All right, weird things. So let's let's kick it off here, Preston. I think you've got, I think you've got one of the heavy hitters here. This one. All right. So for my movie. In the demon, monster, zombie flicks. I would say this is my favorite category. This one is where I consume most of my horror flicks. And the one that has absolutely stuck with me, scared the shit out of me, and it still scares me each time I watch it, and it's still a great movie from start to finish, is The Conjuring. I think that one's a popular pick a lot of, among a lot of people. Uh, it's one of the newer ones that came out and really kind of made horror great again. You know, uh, I, I think it tells the story of Ed and Lorraine Warren, and they are paranormal investigators. It also carries the elusive, the based on a true story tagline that a lot of crappy horror stories make, but this one makes it believable. It doesn't go too over the top that these paranormal investigators are called to help a family that's in need, and the mother of the family. There's things going on in the house that turns into demonic possessions, the conjuring, just in everything that you could imagine in possession movies or demonic presences or poltergeists, everything gets pulled in. And I think that James Wan does a phenomenal job of building this entire universe just in this one story of telling setting up two different stories of the family's life as well as how much they need the help of these two paranormal investigators that come in, recognize the problem, and then ultimately realize we are not qualified to handle this, but <laughs> they still get roped into it. And it's just, I think there's a couple jump scares in there that are extremely well-placed. I think for me is the score in the entire movie. There's just an entire little buzz, kind of like a violin string in the background, almost the entire movie, that just sets you on edge. And that the tension builds, and you're expecting a jump scare, and nothing. <laughs> and then you think you're safe, and then bam! He gets you. <laughs> and this set off an entire universe. We can go down the movies on the list, but... I think this one's this one's amazing. I don't want to talk about the other ones, but 
<laughs> this movie was a hit, dude. It made a bajillion dollars. Like and wasn't made for much money at all. So it's just a testament to how good it is. Just Yeah, I think it's a must watch in the in, in this category. It's gold star. Yeah. It has Great the John Pod stamp on it. I'm a fan of the sequel Damn. too. The 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 Conjuring two, obviously a lot of the the Annabelle movies we don't need to talk about, but the Conjuring two is also a very solid <laughs> ghost flick. Yeah, minus the Elvis music. I was gonna say the guitar uh, part. Yeah, the the Elvis was bad. Let's, <laughs> let's do a, let's do a very speed. I'm just gonna name off the names of the yeah. Conjuring universe. So we got the Conjuring, okay. amazing. Then we got Annabelle, which was the creepy doll in the Conjuring. God awful. The Conjuring 2, fantastic. That one set in uh, England. You have to deal with some accents. But overall, <laughs> very good. Annabelle Creation. I thought this was really good. The best of the three Annabelles, but not saying much. So like two stars. You got two stars nun. instead of one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the Nun. I was hyped for this movie. I thought it sucked. No, no, no. However... The nun from The Conjuring, just that the presence that she made stuck with me. See, I, as, as a, a personal story to get your pity, I have night terrors. Mm. And one of my night terrors, I woke up and this bitch was standing outside my door <laughs> staring oh my at God. me. Yikes, dude. <laughs> I, I, I yeeted the shit out of my lamp <laughs> by my bed. <laughs> Right through the wall. <laughs> oh my gosh. Damn. My wife wakes up and I was like, the nun is here. We need to get out. And then that's when I started taking medication and my life is better. But she stuck with me forever. I, I ride hard for the nun. And we got the- I just, I just want to say, like, the, the most embarrassing letterboxed review I've ever done in my life is giving the nun three and a half stars. <laughs> <laughs> Hey man, the non Dark Knight three and a half star movies. Yeah, <laughs> we You're don't right. need to get into that. I'm gonna get mad again. I can't. <laughs> I'm sorry. We got it. I can't. I can't. I can't resist. Oh wow, is there more, Preston? Yeah, there's three more. First, <laughs> La Llorona. That one sucks. Annabelle comes home. Sucks. The Conjuring three. The Devil Made Me Do It. That one's oh, a very yeah. interesting. I story. forgot they, that even came. Disappointing. Out. Oh, um, gosh. I, I enjoyed it, but it did not live up to the hype. It's mad. I just feel like I feel like Hollywood really did a did a sequel thing of they sent, found something that finally was good in the horror genre that was making a shit ton of money, and then they just milked that cow dry, mm. and what? it's just going mainstream and bad. It was a whole but, horror cinematic universe, like spinoffs of yeah. villains and shit. Yeah, <laughs> it was Let's phenomenal. Go. Definitely wow. worth watching. Some might not be good, but I appreciate like your dedication Marvel. to it. Yeah, you've, you've dedicated yourself to it, so I like that. That's great. All right, uh, let's go. Let's go, Will. Filmo. So, let's um, do it, dude. As I mentioned earlier, this is to me, in my opinion, the greatest horror movie ever made. Um, 2018's Hereditary. Um, honestly, it. It, it scared the shit out of me and to this day there's things that about it that have stuck with me um i still remember the feeling leaving the theater 
and the days that followed that, um, how much I thought about this movie, and a testament to how scary it is. I have not seen it since. Um, I have not revisited it. Yeah, and and in large part, I mean, I think maybe there's a small part as oh, is it not as good as I, I I'll remember, but also it's it's so damn scary to me and disturbing that that I it's hard for me to like want to go back to that. Um, and it's, to me, it's one of the biggest Oscar snubs of all time. Mm-hmm. Tony Collette's performance in this is unbelievable. Um, it's honestly, it feels unprecedented in a lot of ways. She's really, really good and not even a nomination or anything like that. But you know, that's can be typical for horror movies, but hereditary it, Ari Aster. It's also his first feature which is insane. I mean, that's also feels unprecedented to me that a director's first feature is quite possibly his best that he'll ever do. I mean, I hope it's not. I hope he continues on the up and up and he probably will. But um, I, one thing that's really effective about Hereditary is similar to The Shining. It takes the tension and it never lets you go. It, It doesn't, it doesn't just concede to some jump scares. It doesn't just, it's not looking to be a haunted house. You know, it's not looking to just take you on this ride and then you leave and you never think about it again. It's the way it it holds its tension and the themes that it addresses, because it's a lot of it centers. Yes, there's a demon presence in it. Hence why this falls under the demon category, but there's also a family grieving type theme and situation. That's, I would say equally disturbing as the demon aspect of it. And it's, I think it's really effective mostly because it's very relatable. I think that's an aspect of life that anyone can deal with, that anyone can, it can happen to anybody kind of thing. Um, I mean, I, I just can't say enough good about this movie. I, I do think it's, I think it's the greatest horror movie ever made and it is showing in theaters in in salt lake i think they're having a showing in october and i might have to go revisit it um and my little brother hasn't seen it and so i think he i've been trying to convince him to go see it and he's just as scared so well, <laughs> as i was to here, go see it bilmo the geriatric nudity will always be terrifying yes 100 <laughs> <laughs> percent. that's the link that's the link that, that you that's my weak spot that's why that's I can't go back. you can't hail payment yeah, exactly. <laughs> Tony Tony Collette goes some places in Hereditary. Pretty pretty dark. Oh man, she is she is the perfect horror actress. Just like the the contortions that her face makes when she's oh, grieving yeah. or when she's incredibly scared or I mean, just Jesus. Yeah, her bone structure just conveys a level of fear and like shock oh. or it's incredible. And Alex Wolf, I mean, shout out to yeah. him. He's excellent job, but. The, the there's a scene in there where he's being somewhat possessed and he's in class and he throws his head down on the desk. Apparently that, that was real and he broke his nose doing it. Um, apparently Ari Aster said there was supposed to be like a pad on the desk, but Alex insisted that he wanted to like really do it. And he straight up broke his nose on the desk <laughs> and it shows like you see it. And I'm like, it, the, the movie. Oh man. Like I, the way Aster handles that, and I think I've mentioned this maybe somewhere on Letterboxd. I can't remember. I I think Aster might be like Kubrick level. I really do. And mm. I think 
based off of his first two features, he really demonstrates that he just understands um, just how, you know, to make a movie as effective as he has. It's really, really good. Hereditary. It's got the John Pod stamp, guys. <laughs> double, Twice double over, stamp. I think. I think it's doubled up. <laughs> we did. We have potted about it. I think we when have. it came out, we can yeah. go back and listen in 2018. I think we did pot about it. Yes. Can't say enough good things about it. Okay. Um, Taylor, you go next. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, think yours, I think yours is like, you know, hey, it, it fits, but does it fit? You know, I want to hear. It absolutely hear fits. It Are fits. You... Yeah. All right. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't think in October, you don't want just heavy hitter after heavy hitter after heavy hitter right you gotta lighten it up a little bit or you're gonna get burnt out in hella sad you sound like you're Am trying to wrong? justify your this movie, pick after your movie isn't that light i mean <laughs> but it's lighter than hereditary okay oh yeah i mean yeah so <laughs> i am picking it's yeah, pretty easy to do <laughs> that's one heavy heavy ass movie i mean the well, exorcist is heavier than hereditary or is not as heavy as hereditary you know it's like yeah, yeah. i'm just saying Ben, giving me a little <laughs> shit for this. I pick. I like this movie, but go for it. Yeah, me too. David Cronenberg's The Fly from 1986, starring Jeff Goldblum and Gina Davis. This movie's fun. It's a tight 90 minutes. It's interesting. It's about a scientist who is working on teleportation. And he solves the puzzle, and he goes through to attempt human teleportation for the first time. But, spoiler alert... A fly gets into the pod with him, and his genetic makeup fuses with the fly, and he slowly becomes a fly throughout the course of the movie, and it's it's gross. It's absolutely disgusting. It's great and body horror. Yes, it yes. it's it's a genre we, we call body horror, which I think is just <laughs> gross. My other option was going to be the alien. That was going to be my other mm. pick for this. It's almost exclusively Cronenberg, too, that does – he's basically invented body horror. The yes, it's like a genre of his own making. This movie's gross. Like, there's <laughs> there's some gross <laughs> shit gross. in this movie. really gross shit there's, in this movie. Like, I wrote notes on this, and I was like, this movie hits that gross-out cringe vibe <laughs> if, you're, if you're looking for that. Um, the stalker ex-boyfriend in this movie is hilarious. I think he's very funny. I think he's a total ass, but I think he brings some levity to the movie. Gina Davis is great. And there's great chemistry between Goldblum and Davis in this movie. I think that they really kind of connect. So it's pretty sad to see him turn into Brundlefly, but you know, it's Brundlefly. It's, <laughs> it's, it's a good time. <laughs> Shout out to whoever did the prosthetics for him. It's it's next level. There's some there's some nasty shit in this movie. Goldblum's a gem, dude. Yes, big gem. I mean, so sweaty in this movie. So sweaty. That's the thing I remember most. Is so sweaty. He's so, so sweaty. sweaty. <laughs> and you can you can find this one on HBO Max. So easy to find. It's a fun pick, Taylor. Sorry, I, I was just giving you shit. All right, I'm gonna go next. Um, zombie movie for y'all. Twenty eight days later. Good pick. Uh, this movie is a fun. Kind of flashy 2002. You get to see Killian Murphy's junk in it almost immediately, which is pretty sick. Um, I'm going to start it right now. <laughs> I'm watching he it actually dong. right now. <laughs> he hangs dong for no reason. John Pod stamp. Like, why? why <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's got four stamps, bro. 
I don't know why he's naked in that. Like, why wouldn't he be in a gown? I don't know. But it doesn't matter. It's a fun movie. It's 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 got some really fast zombies. Um, I think it's got a nice pace to it overall. Um, it's a it's it's worth your time. I think. I, I think there's some probably plot holes in it that you could dig into if you want to. But I, like Taylor said, this is kind of a change of pace. I think it, it dives more into like what the isolation and the idea of waking up and being like, oh shit, the whole world's gone to hell and I was in a coma. What would that be like? It's been done, you know, in a few different places since, but I think it's got some great acting in it. Looks pretty nice. I think it's a fun pick. So, and you get to see his junk, as I said before. So <laughs> what else do you need to know? Yeah, it's a good zombie flick. I do like it. I, I, I really like, um, Oh, I can't I think of his name now. Danny Gleason. Boyle. Oh yeah. The director. Yeah. Yes. So one to add to your list if you need something. Jake, close this out, buddy. Alright, so this is yet another twenty fifteen A twenty four horror movie. Um and I actually thought this was directed by Ari Aster for the longest time, Bill Mo. So uh it it turns out this is Robert Eggers, the guy who directed The Lighthouse. Eggers, yeah. Um this movie is called The Witch, and it's about a Puritan family who encounters uh, a force of evil on their farm. Uh, this is starring Anya Taylor-Joy, who has become a bit of a, a scream queen over the last few years. To my knowledge, this is her first horror movie. She's really good in it. The whole cast is really good in it. There's kind of an art housey feel to this movie. Some old-timey dialogue, and uh, you know, I would say not for everyone. This yeah. this has easily though the the best use of an animal that I've ever seen in a horror movie, and uh, easy oh yeah it's it's so good and I I think this this movie is really unique because you you almost get whiplash going back and forth between like this really tame subdued atmosphere and then something that's just completely deranged and then back to subdued all in the span of like ten seconds um it's 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 pretty unique in that regard and then I think. My favorite thing about this is it really just highlights how completely fucked it would be to live in like rural pre-revolution America. <laughs> like it's just untamed land. You're just praying that you get some rain or you're literally going to die when your when your crops goes out and you're like, "Okay, I guess my teenage daughter's going down on Satan." That's probably the best explanation for this. <laughs> <laughs> that's the goat saying right there <laughs> yeah th- this was a great feature from Eggers I mean he's only continued to to do well I think I, I-, I really like The Witch it's on my list it's gonna be hit up I'm gonna watch this one October so sold alright honorable mentions you guys wanna hit yours uh, what do we got uh Preston, you got one. The Omen? Yeah, The Omen. I really like this one. Um, original, new? The, middle. the original. New is pretty good, but I like the originals. I think Gregory Peck's fantastic in it. Uh, it has one of the scenes that's always terrified me as a kid. So it's about this couple, they have a kid. The child is the spot of Satan. And <laughs> he just goes around, just starts becoming the spawn of Satan and just <laughs> Killing things off, ultimately going to kill his parents. They got to sacrifice the kid. You know, pretty standard. Um, There's one scene, though, where they're out ice skating. And the tension's building. 
then all of a sudden, one of the kids goes crashing through the ice. And you just see them frantically sweeping snow away, following this kid's face, floating underneath the ice. And growing up, we used to ice skate all the time. I was scared shitless that that was going to happen. Even though I was ice skating in the middle of a field that had been just flooded. <laughs> so, so I was there was snow to fall. underneath the ground. Yeah, there's right. something to fall into. All right. <laughs> just fucking gra- drowned in three Maybe inches of grass. I but. mean, Bruce Willis would go if he was in that situation. Oh, yeah. That's he one puddle. Yeah. He's done. Shout out to Glass. Let's do this. Yeah. Yeah, and then as, as my wife's expecting, I just always pose the question of what happens if he's the spawn of Satan? Are you ready to sacrifice him? And I don't know if I am yet. I, I bet she loves that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's a dilemma. All right. Will, what do you got here? So I got uh, 2009's Drag Me to Hell. Is this uh, Justin Long? Yeah. <laughs> yes. This movie's dog shit. Sell me. <laughs> dude, this Tell movie me. is this not scary. dog shit. This movie is so good, dude. Okay. I just rewatched this the other... I saw this in theaters. I remember in, in high school, I went... We had a dollar theater in where by where I live, and there was like a group of my friends went out... A lot of them wanted to go see this. I mean, for like for laughs, to go make it, that movie called like Obsession or something. It was a, I think it was an Alex or no, what is it? What's his name? Um, who does like the Medea Halloween movies? Tyler Perry. Tyler Perry. I think he did it. And I was like, I'm not seeing that shit. Me and my buddy, we went and saw Drag Me to Hell. I just saw the title. I was like, I gotta go see this. And lo and behold, it was Sam Raimi, one of the one of the OG just horror masters with the evil dead series and all that he he's a huge horror fan and this movie just oozes oozes sam raimi this is like it's almost just like after the success of spider-man that sam raimi is like studios like just do whatever you want and i feel like drag me to hell is like just pure like unfettered raimi just having fun with the genre he's so 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 like mean and punishing to the main character of this movie that it's comical like I, you laugh in this movie, but because you're supposed to, you know, it's not like, oh, this is so bad that it's funny or anything like that. But there's also some very effective horror scenes that you're genuinely, you're genuinely on edge and scared, and like some very effective jump scares and body horror and like gross scenes. And I absolutely love the ending of this movie. The ending is just cherry on the cherry on top. I really, I think Drag Me to Hell is underrated. And Justin Long is is shown with his most recent outing in Barbarian as just a great horror actor. And I haven't seen Tusk. I do need to see that. I like Justin Long. I just I think it's an expectation problem for me in this movie because I thought I was like, oh, this is gonna be scary. Then I think it. it just That's leans. a pure expectation problem. If yeah, you go it in, just leans so like comical. You know? Yeah. I mean, and you, I just, I have, I, when I rewatched this with my brother the other week, it's, it was a great, it's a great rewatch. It's, it's just a great fun watch. I love it. I'll give it a, maybe I'll give it another go here. See if I can get, get into it in the right headspace. All right, Jake, final honorable mention. Yeah. Harry, Harry Potter fans, just in case the, uh, the Rupert Grint mention earlier in the, in the pod wasn't enough. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to drop a Daniel Radcliffe movie on you here. We've got The Woman in Black, 2012. This is, in my view, one of the most criminally underrated horror movies. 
Um, so Daniel Radcliffe stars as a lawyer who's got to go to this old mansion in the middle of a marsh to sort through all the documents of a woman who's just died. I think this movie probably came out too soon after Harry Potter because people kind of treated it like a joke that, that Daniel Radcliffe was in a horror movie, but he's actually really great in this. And overall, I think it's just a pretty solid ghost story that sets a creepy atmosphere, very creepy house, love a creepy house, and then just unloads a machine gun of really effective jump scares at you. So you got to, you know, yes. you're not getting much more than that, but for what it is, I think it's it's actually really good. Yeah, man, I don't know what it is about Victorian England, but it's hella creepy. I, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I worked at a theater when this movie came out, and I saw it. And dude, I remember jumping out of my seat a few times. <laughs> Things <laughs> that happen a no lot. No surprise, it happens a lot. <laughs> I'm a jumpy, I'm a jumpy person, but no, this this one's fun. This is a good one. So I, uh, I second Jake's recommendation on this one. Good shit. Yeah, I haven't seen that. I need to check that out. Yeah, put it on the list. And you can ignore the sequel. Second one doesn't exist. Dog shit. Okay. Didn't, know. <laughs> Didn't even know there was a sequel. So. I know. That's interesting. Was that theatrical release or like a? It, it, it was. I, I saw it on theaters in a date, and I had kind of hyped it up to my date beforehand. I was like, no, the oh, first one's no. so good. And then we were just looking at each other halfway through like, this, this fucking <laughs> blows. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> The Woman in Black 2, Angel of Death. Yikes. <laughs> Yikes. I like the it. Subtitle. I like it. It screams quality, but it's not. <laughs> <laughs> All right, gentlemen. We are plowing our way through these categories. We've got down to our second to last one. Psychological horror. I am a huge fan of this genre. Let's get weird. Let's mess with our minds a little bit. Taylor, kick us off, dude. All right, I'm going with the film The Babadook. Hell yeah. Ba-ba-ba-duke, duke, duke. This one, I actually watched this last <laughs> night. I did a back-to-back with The Fly and The Babadook, so they're fresh. I forgot how fucking annoying the kid is. <laughs> this it really adds to the, guys, cash it out. It adds to the unsettling guys, atmosphere. No, no, no. I, I understand why it, that's intentional. <laughs> But I for I was not prepared for how annoying this child was. He goes to an eleven out of ten. He is awful. <laughs> He's driving his mother literally to have thoughts of murdering him. That's that's how bad. I'm not exaggerating. So basically, it's about a single mother who husband died in a car accident on the way to the hospital as she was gonna have birth to this annoying ass child. So let that sink in for a bit. You're probably not going to have warm and fuzzy feelings looking at this child every, <laughs> every morning that your uh, your lo- your love was was killed because of him. So this movie, you kind of feel for it. I mean, it's obviously it's digging deep into themes of trauma and resentment and kind of the darkness inside each of us and how we cope with that. You know, do we use medication? Do we lash out at people? There's a lot of good kind of themes going on here. So, Correct me if I'm wrong. Is the Babadook a gay icon? 
He became a gay icon on accident <laughs> because Netflix put this movie in the LGBT section okay. on their platform, and he became a, uh, a guy, an icon for the that LGBT awesome. community. So there's that also. That's why this movie went viral um, initially. So That is awesome. But this movie is a fun watch, and I would recommend it. So it's like got it. some it's got some fun scares. I I watched this movie alone. I don't know if you people out there watching horror movies by yourself is a completely different experience than watching with other people. And I think it amplifies the kind of the scariness of it. So that's the hardcore shit right there. Yeah. Watching a scary movie by yourself. Can you imagine that's some like there. sad gay kid just looking for acceptance? <laughs> just fires up the Baba Duke. <laughs> Nothing for me. <laughs> <laughs> He's just confused. He's like, "Did I miss something? Wait, what? What's this have to do with me?" <laughs> oh, the Babadook is is gay. Okay. Oh, <laughs> oh okay. You got to really dig like deep it. for the social commentary there. <laughs> <laughs> you'll, yes. you'll find it. Okay. Uh, Jake, throw down. What do you got right, here? So this is, you know, I, I I think The Shining is maybe the best horror movie ever made. This might be my all-time favorite. This movie is from 2001. It's called The Others, starring Nicole Kidman. This movie is is subdued. It's it's kind of a slow burn, but it's really sticky. Like it you you'll you'll watch it and then a week later, a month later, a year later, a scene from this movie will just pop into your head and it'll give you this creepy feeling for the rest of the day. This movie is set in the 1940s, uh, kind of mid-World War II. Nicole Kidman lives in a remote country house with her two children who are both allergic to light. And that's, that's sort of the premise, um, as you might expect, some, some supernatural occurrences start to, uh, start to ensue. There are some really effective props in this movie. There are these, these photographs that they used to take back in the olden days of dead people, like death photographs that are uh, uh, among the creepiest uh, set pieces that you'll, you'll, you'll see in a movie. And without, without any spoilers, I'm, I'm just going to say one of the best endings, maybe the best ending to any horror movie I have ever seen. Um, this is, uh, it, it's phenomenal. Yeah. Have you guys seen this? Yeah. I, I remember watching this in high school. This was a good one. I have not. I liked it. This is an annual watch in our house. It's phenomenal. I think I need to revisit. I uh, just looked at my MDB. I gave it a five. So I, I, feel, I feel embarrassed. Out of ten? Yeah. I don't yeah, know. I, was, I, I haven't seen it since high school. I saw it. What the now fuck? I'm, I know. <laughs> did I, you have the sound I, on? I did. I warned you guys that I'm the wrong guy for this genre on this podcast. I said I'm not the biggest horror guy. So, you know, take what I'm saying with the greatest saw here. I'm a, I'm a dumbass with this, this whole thing. So, um, but it, I remember it was well done. I just, I guess, I just didn't connect with me. So anyway, I feel like an ass now. See, I've just deflated another one. <laughs> well, what, what, well, what's your movie, Mister Smart Guy? That is, uh, the, yeah. What's mine? I chose one that may not fit this genre, but I think it deserved a place in horror or in the scary genre. I picked Seven, dude. Brad Pitt, Morgan Freeman. This movie. It's not like a traditional horror movie. I, I checked it. I don't think it has a horror definition behind it as a genre. But the whole um, the whole atmosphere of this movie is just depressing. It's dark. 
It's scary. It feels really authentic to itself. I mean, it's literally raining the entire movie. Um, and the deaths, the kill scenes, the kill murder sites are, are terrifying. The different ways that everyone goes, I mean, following the seven deadly sins. I won't, I won't get into all of it right now. This is an all-time movie for me. I think it's easily top ten movie. Uh, phenomenal ending. It's probably been spoiled for you already, just in popular culture. But I can't say enough about this. I mean, it's very grimy. So grimy. And I actually think that the villain in the movie, <laughs> there's, it's not really a jump scare. But when he shows up in the hallway and shoots his gun, that scared the shit out of me. <laughs> It's so <laughs> abrupt because you're just like, oh, they're, they're hanging out. And they actually think they kind of tell a joke right before that thing happens. And then that it just goes. It goes. And then you find the room. So much about this just kind of sticks with you. And shout out to my wife again. She saw this movie with me and she couldn't sleep for weeks after. Just freaked her out. Just kind of stuck with her. Like you said, it is grimy. It kind of sticks with you. Oh, yeah. and, that's, and that's a huge theme in this movie is that – no matter who you are in this city, you're going to get your hands dirty and it's going to stay with you no matter what. And there's something very depressing, suffocating about this environment. So I think it's a must watch any time of the year. Seven. I mean, we could do a whole pot on this movie. There's so much sure. to unpack. I'd love to do a Fincher pot with for... you guys. Yes. Ooh. Yes. I actually considered like Zodiac as an option here. Um, but again, it's more. It has some of the scariest moments in a movie. I mean, you could throw a panic room in here too. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, Fincher does so much with what, you know, in in his movies like this, but anyway, I, we could go all day about this one. Um, Will, you stole another Ari Aster one, which deserved consideration. (laughs) I had Uh, to. Yeah. Um, As if you can't tell, I mean, I'm just, I'm putting all my stock in this guy. Yeah. Um, Again, he has a movie coming out this year with Joaquin Phoenix. I'm looking forward to. Um, but Midsummer uh, came out the year after her. So it was back-to-back just bangers from this guy. And so I was already extremely hyped when this came out. I saw this in the theater, and I own the A24 director's cut. I watched that fairly recently. Adds an extra 30 minutes uh, of footage to it. And I have oh, to real? say, one of the rare rare instances where i actually think you're better off just watching the the theatrical because what the director's footage or extra footage does from the director's cut adds gives you a little bit more context that you just don't need it gives you it gives you scenes that you you essentially can arrive at those same conclusions um without actually being given handing them to you and so anyway this movie stars florence Pugh, and this probably has one of the most unsettling openings in a horror movie I've ever seen. Um, so, no, you know, it's not really a spoiler, but the movie opens to Florence Pugh's sister essentially gassing her parents and killing herself. She ties a hose to the exhaust pipe from the car in the garage, tapes off the doorways, basically kills them in their sleep. And Florence Pugh is kind of on the rocks with a boyfriend right now and he's almost he's like on the edge of like trying to find his way out of of this relationship and it gets so you know when this tragedy hits he's now kind of forced to stick around to be the boyfriend even longer because who you know you'd be the biggest dick in the world to just leave someone at a moment like that and so he's already been planning to go to 
um is it is it sweden i think sweden yeah. um to yeah. their midsummer festival there's this like community that lives there they have a friend who's been with them at college he's like an exchange student he's like hey you should come back and visit you can do your thesis paper on it so it's a group of college friends that are going back and it's right around this time that the tragedy happens so that he kind of feels like he has to drag florence Pugh with him um and honestly it's just psychological horror from there on out i mean it's you don't really ever know what is going to happen and what like the ulterior motives are of this community once they're there. And so Florence Pugh, again, Ari Aster just knows how to cast and direct actresses. He does. I think she gives one of the best, just right up there with Tony Collette, one of the best performances I've seen in a long time from an actress, especially in a horror movie. Um, she just, she carries this movie on her shoulders in so many ways because she, it, if she fails in so many scenes of this movie, the, the movie just doesn't work. It straight up doesn't work. Um, and what I love about this movie, again, I mean, Ari Aster in interviews has said this is basically a, a breakup movie, which it is. On its surface, it's like it's like Florence Pugh finding a way to, you know, break things off with her boyfriend. That's like as surface as you get in this movie. And then he just builds this entire like plethora of like symbolism and cultural relevance and like thing, things you can just wrestle with so much. And I, I, that's what I found myself doing after this movie is not only being freaked out out of my mind in some of these sequences and creeped out and disgusted, but I've also just felt like I was wrestling a lot with my inner self and wrestling with a lot of the themes of this movie. Astor just, he's never, he, I, don't, I don't think he's ever going to miss this movie is another testament of his craft and I it, it's one of my favorite horror movies um, and just movies in general. It's really good. Have we all seen this movie? Raise a hand. Yes. All in. All right. I watched rewatch this movie with the sole purpose of litigating. Is the boyfriend an asshole or not? All right. Oh quick yeah. Pull. Quick pull. Preston, is he an asshole? Full asshole. Taylor, <laughs> is he an asshole? Massive asshole <laughs> jake is he an asshole hugely but i don't want that to be confused for me saying he well never mind i don't want to i don't want to spo- <laughs> i don't want to spoil this so you're an asshole no too. i don't <laughs> no let me i have to clarify now that that's that's been brought up no i i just if the character does meet a certain fate in this movie i don't want to be i don't i don't want this to sound like i'm saying he deserved that fate he doesn't deserve what happens i'm to with him. you but what he did does not fit the punishment. He didn't earn it. He didn't earn it. That's all I'm going to yeah, say. Huge, huge cock. <laughs> He's full ass. <laughs> I, I had the same first watch opinion and then I rewatched it. And I actually think he lands more gray area than full on asshole. I, I could see how some of the stuff was like, eh, could have been Ben's handled better. From his past, you know, like, oh, yeah. this is a hot take. I know, I know. I'm just saying, Love this movie. There's obviously a springboard for Florence Pugh. She's killing it now. I mean, she's in everything these days. So I feel like Midsummer is uh, is like the definition of of psychological horror. I will say though, not a great advertisement for Sweden. No. Yeah, <laughs> or Europeans. You meet at college. All of it. Yeah, just the, a tough look for the uh, for the Swedish tourist tourism industry here. Yes, this is a must-watch as well. Preston, what we got, man? 
close us out on this one. All right. So for mine, uh, I picked mm. the movie Funny Games. Uh, there's a 1997 version of it. It's made. It was uh, produced in Austria. So I think the uh, native language of it is German. And then I think there's Swedish in it. Um, so that's one of those you'll watch with subtitles. There is a remake of it in 2007 starring uh, Naomi Watts and Tim Roth. It is almost a shot-for-shot remake. So if you don't want to go the subtitles route, I think they're both pretty good. I did like the original in its own language. I thought the acting was more uh, muted. It's about a family, husband and wife and kid. They go to their cabin kind of on the lake. They have a sailboat. And as they pull up, there's neighbors there, and then there's two young men that are with them. And one of them comes over, asks the mother for some eggs that they can borrow, and then they just don't leave. And then these <laughs> two guys kind of take them, take the family hostage and make them play some funny games, sadistic <laughs> games. And it's just, there's nothing scary in the movie. There's no jump scares. There's very little action. It's slow, but the entire movie, you're just sitting there going, just like, I want to reach in there and just murder these two guys. That they're just terrorizing this family. The amount of pain you can see in this family just degrades them. That you see these people, they're physically capable, maybe injured, but they could still do something about their scenario but you're watching them just absolutely broken down psychologically to the point that they can't do anything. And it's just unsettling. I get done with that movie, and it's just... It sticks with you. I'm full-on intrigued. I just looked at the little image for the the, the video, the original. I, I want to watch this now. This sounds great. Yeah. It's good. It's shocking. Uh... Yeah. Hell yeah, bro. So the remake is, you said literally a shot for shot, like the same, just in English yeah. and with American actors? Yeah. I, I was enough. looking at it, I think the first like 20 minutes, I haven't seen the uh, the remake in several years, but I just watched the original a couple nights ago, and I would say the first 25 minutes, you could put them side by side, and oh, wow. you could play them at the same time, and you wouldn't even need subtitles. Interesting. I looked in the original has a 7.5 IMDb rating, which is really great for that genre. And then the remake has a 6.5. So, you know, mm. I guess that's what you need to know about the original versus the remake. I guess people don't like Tim Roth. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think Tim Roth, I, I think the point of it is like they see Tim Roth and he should be able to fight back. And I think it's more a reflection of what viewers think of him mm. and how he act and how he, uh, reacts to the situation i thought they're pretty equal but i think it's two different audiences that are uh looking at the movies and giving it the ratings interesting all right great great poll here uh honorable mentions jake you want to kick us off with you got one yeah not much to say here but if you watch the others and and you like it more than ben did uh you should You should check out The Orphanage. came out in 2007. I believe it's called like El Orfanato or something like that. It's a Spanish-language movie. Um, so, yeah, don't mind subtitles. Very similar feel to uh, to the others. Just kind of a subdued ghost story, haunted house movie. 
um, really, really love that as well. Fantastic. Bilmo, got another one I would have put in here. Yeah, I'll be brief. Blair Witch Project, 1999, um, found footage film. Um, kind of a, almost, I mean, I, maybe the first of its kind. I mean, I know, I'm, I'm sure there are other ones that came before it, but I mean, I feel like this is the one that blew up. Um, and kind of made it become a thing until it was just overdone. Um, and what I, I really like this movie. I like, I mean, I love the whole background to it. I love that, like, people, it, the, like, the whole, like, viral kind of marketing about it that people actually thought this was, like, found footage that they found and they put it together and showed it in theaters. Um, but I love that throughout the entire movie, you just never really know whether or not they're dealing with something actually you know, uh, you know, like demonic or supernatural, or is it just someone messing with them? Are they messing with each other? Is someone there? Like you just, you don't know. And so it really does a good job of playing with your head. And then to go along with that, the paranoia of being lost in the woods is just yeah. frightening. I mean, and it's very effective in that, in that regard. And the ending, I would say the very last, it's probably my favorite, one of my favorite last shots of a movie because it's definitely the most frightening. Yeah. It stuns you. And it does a great job of like kind of giving you just enough lore about what the Blair Witch is. Because it's essentially these kids are going out. It's pretty meta in that way. Because I guess they're, these college kids are going on to find out about, they've heard about this Blair Witch. You know, whatever. This witch that lives in the woods. And there's a cabin, I guess a house that they have there. And I think they go out to try to find it. And then they end up getting lost. And a bunch of shit starts happening to them in the meantime. Um, and they end up finding the house in the end and uh, a, a house, you know, we, again, yeah. we, I don't even know that, you know, like you never really know what it is that they're uh, up against. And, but you know, just enough about the lore that the last shot just leaves you. I, I just, I can't, I love that last shot of the movie and it just leaves me stunned every time. It's a great movie. Iconic. I put this movie in the category of you'll watch it and you'll be like, eh, really wasn't that scary. I think the last shot is actually super creepy. Super effective. But if you watch that movie and then go out in the woods like <laughs> at night, I mean, that's when it kind of comes back to you. Like, oh, shit, this is actually creepy as hell out here. And, yeah. I, and I remember thinking about that movie. I was like, man, I can't even fathom finding like the sticks and shit. Like, I don't know, it just puts a whole like vibe of, fear paranoia like you said that's pretty unique and mm -hmm. revolutionary for the genre yeah you know and you know it's obviously spawned a variety of found footage films since that are effective to not effective um definitely worth an og watch though yeah the new blair witch I, if i remember it was just okay i didn't hate it i thought it was just okay i don't i haven't seen that one all right preston honorable mention Honorable mention, it's a similar premise of the funny games. It's called Knock Knock. This came out in 2015. Uh, this is on Hulu. It's starring Keanu Reeves and uh, Ana de Armas and Lorenza Izzo. And it is a ride. It's fun. This one is a fun <laughs> one. This is not scary. It's really not super <laughs> psychological. It's just one wild-ass time the entire time. 
pretty much Keanu Reeves is a family man. Uh, his family goes on a trip. He decides to stay home because he's a writer. He's going to focus on writing and, and getting a story out. And these two girls come knock on the door, say they're lost, need his phone. They come in, and then they just don't leave. And they, <laughs> and, just, and they do stuff to him. <laughs> they do stuff with him. And with and him. to him. And, I, I saw and, the rating, so yeah, I like, I like where this is headed. This is, I can't stress enough, it's got a 4.9 out of 10. Yeah, this is a damn good movie. This movie's fun. It is, it's so bad, it's good, dude. It's it's so bad, it's good. You may have seen by the time you get to the end, you'll have you'll recognize a popular Keanu meme. Is this the pizza and, movie with uh, the pizza? This is the. Uh, never mind. Maybe I don't know what the fuck I can't I'm talking remember about. Pizza. Okay. The holes in the ground. That's that's the <laughs> yeah, he, that's the meme we're talking about here. But anyway, Keanu with the dirt around his head. Hmm. Yeah, I've I've always heard mixed. I haven't seen it. I wanted to see it. I've always heard mixed on it because it sounds like it is like a so bad it's good type movie. Though I mean, it's not iconic, but it's fun. Let's be <laughs> yeah. like it's entertaining. I mean, four, like you're in, you're entertained the whole 4. time. Four point nine on IMDb. That's what Ben gave my fucking favorite horror movie of all time. <laughs> <laughs> it's right on so par. It's with gotta Ben's be good. Rating. No, that's not how it is. <laughs> Jeez, dude. Savage. Oh, I'm not gonna live that one down. I'm gonna rewatch that one just for you, Jake. And I'm gonna I'm gonna update the rating. No, but like I, I like I said, you can't be having heavy hitters all the time. You need movies sure. like Knock Knock to kind of get Change through the month, you know. Palette cleanse. I like that. All right, gentlemen, we've done it. We've got to our last section, our last grouping, the deep cuts. We've gone for more than two hours now. <laughs> Let's be a little, you know, mysterious with this. Let's give a quick rundown of each of these that we, we want to throw out. Then we can wrap it up. Call it a night. Jake, why don't you start off? And the one you're going to recommend, I've been circling for a while, but I've been too scared to watch it. So. Okay, so I've, I've got good news for you in that it's it's not as traditionally scary as, as a lot of the movies on this list. But the, the movie I'm talking about is called Lake Mungo, 2008 Australian film. This was a director... I think his name is Joel Anderson. I might be pulling that out of my ass, but he literally has, he, he wrote and directed this movie. He has never written or directed anything else in his entire career. He just put this one brilliant movie on the map and then, and then dipped out. And this is a mockumentary style movie about a, a teenage girl who, who uh, drowns in a, in a tragic accident. And, uh, and some, some paranormal things start to happen around the house. And, uh, and that's, that's really all I'll say in, in terms of the plot. The thing I really want to emphasize here is this movie has an atmosphere of doom permeating it just from beginning to end. It's like I said, it's not as traditionally scary as a lot of horror movies, but it's just so fucking sad. And like beyond that, it's like bleak. And there's just this impending sense of impending doom throughout the entire movie and uh and it, it really it's one of those that sticks with you for a long time and, and and actually will probably affect your mood for the rest of the day once you see it yikes dang all right i'm in uh why don't you throw down your honorable mention while we're here yeah my honorable mention so this this is 2019 kind of a creature horror movie crawl um and and the only reason i'm mentioning this is because i saw it in theaters when it came out it was summer 2019. I was literally the only person in the entire theater, and I just had a, a great time. 
It was so much fun. <laughs> it's a it's a it's a movie about a category five hurricane that hits Florida, which is somewhat timely because I believe Hurricane Ian is making landfall there right now. And uh, basically, her and her dad, who is incidentally Barry Pepper, the the sniper from from Saving Private Ryan. Um, they just get terrorized by a bunch of alligators that, that find their way into their house and it's totally unrealistic and stupid and it's just a, a fucking great time. <laughs> <laughs> that scenario actually is horrifying. I mean, I can't think of a worse way to go than like try and survive. That sounds awful. Damn. All right. Crawl, everybody. Will. You're going to go back to one. I think we did a full podcast on this movie. We have. This was a... Uh... It could have been on the same pod as Hereditary, honestly. Could have been. But maybe. Um, the Opsopsy of Jane Doe. Love this one. Um, I actually saw this. I was working. I was on a work trip in New York. My brother worked or, yeah, lived out there. He was going to school. And we caught this in the theater. Um, I don't even think it ever played in Salt Lake. Um, it wasn't like a mainstream release or anything. Um, hence why I think this is more of a deep cut. But. I was really glad I caught this in the theater and let alone that I found out about it. I love this movie. Um, it's about a corner duo. You got, um, what's his name? Cox. Is it, what's his first name? Brian Cox. Brian, Brian Cox. That's right. Logan. Let's go. Yes. Brian Cox, um, is the dad. He owns a corner, um, or he's a corner. He, he, he works at a morgue and there's a body that's found in the, in a house that's brought over. That's, they can't identify it. It's a naked woman buried, like appears to be in the basement of a home and the people, everyone in the house is dead when they find this body and this body is in pristine condition. Uh, looks like a, I don't know, 18 to 22 year old woman. Um, and just in pristine condition, no ID. So they bring her in and, um, Emil Hirsch is Brian Cox's son. And so it's kind of like a father son run business. And he's and he helps out the dad every once every, every once in a while, and he's like, "Hey, I'm gonna help you out with this body. Let's try to dissect it, see how she died, find out all this information." It's one of my favorite movies, horror movies, because you are in the situ, you are you're finding out everything as the characters are finding it out, and so you're really there along. There's there's no like third party in the movie where the audience knows information that the main characters don't yet. So you're really along for the ride with the main characters, which, which I always love. And as they are dissecting this body, like every so often they reveal more information that they start piecing together. And the movie is literally peeling back information and unravels the story as it goes along and weird shit starts happening. Creepy stuff starts happening. It's another kind of claustrophobic movie. The entire movie takes place pretty much in this morgue in the basement, very contained, um, and very effective. I think there are some genuinely scary parts in this movie and some parts that I really appreciate because it shows main characters making smart decisions as opposed to just being dumbasses. It's like, yes, I would do the exact same thing. I feel like you don't, you can't say that too often in horror movies where you're like, no, I would do the exact opposite of what these people are doing. No, they, they, it's, it's, great performances there's some great themes great undertones and also i actually really like the ending some people might have beef with the ending um but i like it because it kind of leaves it up for grabs for it's not tied up nice and neat it's a great watch i uh 
thinking about Brian Cox now from like the lens of succession in that movie, it's just, it's fun to think about. I love that guy so much. <laughs> He's so great. And him actually being decent is kind of funny. No, <laughs> seeing him as Logan. Um, and hit us up, Will, with your uh, your final, your uh, honorable mention here. Yeah, my final one. I did see this right when it came out on Netflix. It was a Netflix original. I it just it was a horror movie that came out in 2017. It showed up on there. Um, similar to Blair Witch, it's like this group of guys. I think one of them is having some sort of bachelor party, and they end up kind of getting and they're hiking somewhere. It's like in be somewhere in scotland or something but one of them gets injured on the hike so they have to start making way back a different way than they came and they end up getting lost in the woods and i thought it was if you really if you have a good just 90 minutes or so and you're cruising netflix check out the ritual it really is i think it's just a fun nice tight horror movie and it could be also a psychological um because there's shit that happens in it that you end up questioning reality, um, what's really happening, and there's some genuinely frightening scenes in this movie. I think it's really, really good. Especially by Netflix standards. I think it's really good. I I was uh so pressing not to cut you off before you do your thing, but uh you have the you just said the ritual and then Preston, you're gonna talk about the open house. And I was like, have I seen these movies? And I kept thinking, no, it's the invitation is the one I saw. which is kind of its own which is its own thing uh kind of like the green room kind of does its own thing but all right i I like that i like the premise of the ritual here this is uh this sounds like a good watch it's a good one hit all right preston sorry i didn't mean to deflate your honorable mention here i love your choice for your your top pick for this though all right my top pick on the deep cut this one i just kind of stumbled into just perusing netflix late one night came across a movie called the platform it's uh, called El Hoyo. It's a Spanish-language film. So you're going to be watching uh, watching some subtitles. I Don't recommend watch watching dub. it. Yeah. yeah, the dub ruins it. Don't do a dub. Obvio. Come but, on. And if you know Spanish, then the movie's fantastic. Um, pretty much the premise is it opens up with a guy that's been sent to prim- prison. This prison is not your typical normal prison. It's a vertical prison. Every single level houses two people, and in the middle of the middle of the uh, room, there's a platform that lowers down with an entire table of food. And the people eat their food, table goes down, and there's more levels of the prison, and it keeps going down. The twist of the movie is every single day you change rooms. Uh, it's incredible it's very dark very heavy very unique story Uh, i think the the two main actors that are in it they're just phenomenal the banter back and forth the realization an interesting fact that i loved about the movie is it was filmed sequentially and so you see the actor lose weight over the over the uh course of the film you see the uh toll that the movie takes on these characters as it progresses. Uh, it was it was one of those that has a kind of a different ending, has a polarizing ending. Um, I don't like to put too much weight on the ending because I don't think that's what makes or breaks the film. I think the entire story tells more about uh, human nature, uh, 
the innate self-preservation traits, as well as balancing, maintaining your humanity through the darkest times. I think it was phenomenal, and it stuck with me, and uh, it's kept me out of jail. Let's just say that. <laughs> it's, it's an excellent it's a good deterrent. Don't, yes. don't watch this movie on a full stomach. Just, it's a better deterrent than the system itself. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 the equivalent of how it follows kept me from having premarital sex. <laughs> I wish I could say it was I, just the movie of <laughs> screening screening your girlfriends, you know, before. <laughs> oh, oh my god! My, my favorite quote from that uh, the platform is that he can't shit up. When he shits on the table. Yeah. <laughs> it's so true. It's a fantastic. Oh, I love the premise and how you'd handle that situation. Um, okay, and sorry. I, I can't wait to hear your honorable mention here. I believe I started this movie and I quit it after five minutes. So I need you, to- will, <laughs> you will finish that damn movie. <laughs> you need to. I'm a quitter. All right. I never so, heard of it. This one. All right. This movie uh, came out, it was a Netflix original, it came right after the hit TV series, uh, 13 Reasons Why, has the main character from that, um, let's see, what's his name? Dylan Minnette. Dylan Minnette. And uh, oh, this movie this has a 3.3 out of 10. <laughs> Wow. And it is too high. So it's like a seven on Ben's standards. (laughs) (laughs) This movie is stars or give numbers here. I mean, let me know. (laughs) This movie is so god awful. I it's it's horrendous. It's it's abysmal to every single horror standard of storytelling, of character introduction, of ending of tying things together Shyamalan would be just depressed watching this from every angle he'd have some notes and there's a couple no things. I'd say he'd be taking notes he'd probably apply them to his movies that's what he would do well he'd be taking notes and he'd be like you know this movie's amazing but if we just <laughs> changed the very last scene right. then it's fantastic and there's nothing to save this I've got a couple notes jotted down um the beginning of it hinges on a boy and his father going to the gas station to get milk. And the father says, I'm going to go get milk. You want to come? And the kid's like, no, I'm going to listen to some screamo music in your creeper van. So the dad goes, gets some stuff, forgets the milk like a typical dude, comes out. And all of a sudden, the kid sees in the rearview mirror that this car just deliberately leaves the road, drives through the parking lot, and then just absolutely smashes this dude into a dumpster and just kills him. <laughs> it's the most it's the most horrific wreck that has no place ever happening. But it has to happen to set the stage of them moving to this house or this vacation home that's being sold and things start happening at the house. There's an intruder that's been living there and the premise it, the kid poses is don't you think that open houses are creepy, that people come and visit the house? What if someone never leaves? So the entire movie, this kid's stuff goes missing. 
and he's just like, "Mom, seriously, something something's happening." <laughs> <laughs> and it's the worst acting, and it's the worst storytelling, and just I mean, you gotta watch it because it's phenomenal. At some point, he gets knocked out, and he's laying in the snow for like ten minutes. But you would think that he's been out there for four nights. He comes in, and he's frozen. He's this track runner, and the bad guy's chasing him, and he just can't get away when clearly you could just stand up and walk away and you would survive. And this kid just fucks it up. It feels like someone was like, you know what's scary? Open houses. But then they ran out of ideas after they had the premise, and then they just (laughs) threw this together. It's really what it feels like. If If you want to watch something like just abysmal, put this on but i can't in good conscience recommend this to another human being i can't recommend it as the reason i recommend it is because i watched it and if i had to suffer share the misery then you have to suffer with me misery loves and so yeah i've I've never seen that's what i ask of you i've never seen this movie it sounds pretty smeggy but i do just want to say that that uh M. Night Shyamalan took some, caught some unfair strays from you guys there in that conversation. Oh. I just want to say, how dare you? We don't need to do the whole M. Night thing, but I wasn't on that pod, and I just want to, I just want to ride for my guy really quick. He has never made a three point hey, four on IMDb. The highs and the lows are low, my man. The highs are high, the lows are We're low. We're getting delirious. It's so late. No, dude, I stand by. Holy that. shit, it's past I'm midnight. Just disappointed. I'm- I'm disappointed, M. Night. It's always just disappointment. All right, yeah. guys. We're almost here. Final stretch. Tay, I'm going to go first. Deep cut, killing of a sacred deer. I don't think this movie is scary, but I do think this movie is pretty disturbing. Yeah. And it's a nice Very. deconstruction of what would happen if you're put with an impossible choice. And Barry Ke- – is it Barry Keegan? Barry Keegan, yeah. Barry Keegan is a He's weird such fuck. a creepy little don't fuck this kid. <laughs> Do not uh, go anywhere near this kid if you ever yeah. him. If he's in a movie, presence... you know shit's going to no. happen. Can you no. imagine Barry Keegan no. like, in a rom-com? No. <laughs> I like how he dies in Dunkirk, too. <laughs> like... No, I forgot he was in Dunkirk. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. He takes, a, he takes a nail on the boat, you know? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he's a creep. This movie's great. Nicole Kidman, Colin Farrell. Um, it's a great cast. Yorgos... Lanthimos, he made the lobster. Um, it's weird in weird ways. It's meandering, but it's got this very intentional like question it would ask about how you may handle staying in guilt and protecting mm-hmm. your family. And it's got a devastating ending. Oh my gosh. I just makes me sick, honestly, thinking about that whole scenario. Um, so yeah, it's worth a watch. It's almost like a, it's like a Greek tragedy almost. Yeah, and, and I think and- it's based off an actual Greek tragedy. Um, yeah specifically right. yeah it's really good very good and it's got very a unique, unique style that lots of people may not uh connect with based on like how the dialogue is presented and it's it's pretty absurd yeah well it, it forces you to be patient because i feel like yes. there's a lot of character decisions and choices uh, at the outset where you're like yeah this doesn't make sense but right. you know as the movie progresses as you get more information it you piece everything comes together, and I I love when movies can do that. So you have to stick around for it, but it's just it's a disturbing ride. It is, but it's good. All right, Taylor, we've made it. 
All right. The final. The final wreck. Cut. Okay. So this one is a pretty well-known movie, but it's so old that I think most people under 50 may have never even seen it. Like it's, uh, and that would be Roman Polanski's Rosemary's Baby. So I don't want to go into a lot of the plot because it's a mystery box movie. So it kind of, all you need to know is this couple moves into this apartment building in New York City and mystery ensues, right? So this movie uh, is, it's it's a realistic horror film. There's nothing supernatural in this movie. It's pretty unsettling. It's pretty... I'd say it, it honestly, Bilmo, it felt like hereditary to me a little bit watching it. Yeah. Like a there's like, a lot of things that I think it borrows from for it's, sure. It's a slow burn. There's, I mean, for things I won't say, there's more connections. Uh, and then there's also some weird real life shit with this movie, like Roman Polanski's wife Sharon Tate, tragically killed by Charles Manson's followers and family. And then also John Lennon was killed outside of the apartment building where they filmed this movie. So there's like kind of some eerie, like real world stuff, kind of like poltergeist. But uh, I was genuinely creeped out at the end of this movie. There's lots of good things to think about and talk about and uh, check this one out. If you haven't wouldn't, seen it, it's worth wouldn't time. that the, the Sharon Tate murder, wouldn't that have happened like the same year this movie came out? I believe it did. Yeah. Same year. I thought it was a couple of years after it was within. 68. Yeah, it's it was 68 and 69. Right? Yeah, so yep. the year. The That's year right. After. Okay, wow. Yeah, within a year. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, Rosemary, I watched this a couple years ago. I bought, uh, there's a Criterion edition of this, and I watched it. And it's really, yeah, it's a very, another great contained horror movie. Most of the movie takes place within this apartment complex. And again, you just get these weird vibes, some old, old maybe possible ulterior motives. And, you know, there is there is what a very bizarre, uh, shocking yes. sequence in this movie. Uh, yeah, and I don't very want to Very similar it. to Hereditary, <laughs> but with the, I would say it goes beyond just nude geriatrics. It's a it's a WTF what the fuck sequence. Yeah, it's it's intense. And the ending is also pretty disturbing. And then I, I actually really like the ending. I, I like too. I like how the movie ends. But because, uh, you know. Yeah, the ending. The ending specifically gave me the hereditary vibes. It had a very similar. Yeah, yeah, I see what you mean. Yes. Yeah, this is pretty yeah. spoilery, so I can't get into it. Go ahead. Yeah, I just watched uh, this is the end, and I think I have some spoilers from that movie now, <laughs> based on what I read on trivia. So that's, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> interesting. Yeah, dude, check this one out. It's a classic. It's, it's, it's it holds up. Yeah, it's, it's really it's, good. It's good. And you want to yeah. see someone eat some raw meat too? It's yeah, it's disgusting. And some nasty ass <laughs> milk, <laughs> dude. I wanted to barf. I know, <laughs> dude. It's bad. Oh, Taylor loves milk too, man. That must be intense. It's some nasty ass milk, dude. Oh, no. It's got like green specks in it. Oh jeez. Well, gentlemen, I don't know how many movies that was. That was a Get lot it. of movies. I don't think we've ever covered this much in a podcast. <laughs> if you crazy. can't find something to watch in October, yeah. we, can't, we can't help you at this point. <laughs> You're on your own because you, you've probably got 50 recommendations in this two and a half hours. 
I definitely yeah. got some wrecks that I'm I yeah. got on my list. I'm gonna make an effort to the, watch. The world sure. of naked geriatrics is your oyster after this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> You I'm got gonna some check options. out the others just to stick it to Ben. So, oh man, I'm not gonna live that one down. <laughs> I might have had a bad night, guys. I don't know. Uh, I just love it, Jake's. Oh, this movie's great. Uh, he's like, I know. Oh, that movie was shit. <laughs> I, and I didn't have any reasons. I, just, like, I gave it five. I don't remember why. Do you know when? Five. What year did you watch it? Oh, it must have been within the last four or five. Does years. it not say? See, that's why you need Letterboxd. I do. I need to have the record. Yeah, I need to do some repetition. I'm sick and tired of not knowing what you're watching and when and what Bro, you think about it. You've, I've committed. Starting now, I'm going to letterbox. I want to like see your all, horror all month. These movies. I'm going to do my horror month. I'm going to go through and I'm going to I'm going to really evaluate some things for you guys. You're going to see it. You're going to hold. Do you even have an account yet? I do. Yeah, and I did review a few movies and then I just stopped for a minute. Yeah, we should we should I'll at least back. plug my letterbox account and Bilmo's letterbox account because we actually update it and it's gonna make your wildest dreams come true if you follow us on there. I'll throw it. <laughs> I'll throw it in the description for the episode. I'll throw your accounts Love in there. It. Sweet, gentlemen, Preston. Thank you so much. Love your energy, bro. You really brought it on this one, man. Thank you for coming on, guys. I appreciate it. You guys, thanks, are thanks for being a fan. Yes. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> This podcast is fantastic. If you guys aren't subscribing, oh. like and subscribe and share the shit out of this. Preston, you guys, if you're a movie, 10. 10 rating for you, buddy. Uh, not even, not a 9 That warms my cold dead so that's heart. That's like a 20 in real life. 20, yes. That's like a 20 in, on in, my scale. In Ben units. That's right. In a Ben movie, you get a double rating. Oh, Jake, thank you so it's much. It's been a pleasure. Apologies. Uh, check out his YouTube channel. Tell her, give us, give him a link there. You know. Yeah, I'll throw in his YouTube channel too. I'm gonna get him some followers. That's a that's a jump yeah. pod guarantee. That's a jump pod guarantee. <laughs> You're gonna get two more watches, bro. It's gonna be fantastic Love for you. It. Gonna move up. We have a small audience, but they're loyal as fuck. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you, they Listen, know who they are. They're out they there. Do. Yeah, uh, Bilmo, you tool. You gave The Dark Knight a three point five, so I'm gonna say, fuck you for that. If you listen, uh, you're, you're with me that's down for here. Damn at the good bottom. reason. No, you're down here with me. Is one Maggie of the Gyllenhaal? Heads. You're defending a Maggie Gyllenhaal. I'm, I'm no. not. I'm not. I'm not. But I'm just saying we got our own things we got to work through. You know, we both got our we got our takes. So, but thanks yeah, for joining, do. brother. Of course. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Tay. Thanks for the editing you're going to do on this one, buddy. Oh, you enjoyed this three hours. <laughs> My pleasure. Work. Thank you. I am very happy we finally got this on the books. I've been wanting to do this for years. So thanks for indulging me. I'm very excited. It'll be up by October 1st. That's a guarantee. We'll be Jump ready. Jump pod guarantee. Jump pod guarantee. All right, everybody. Thank you so much. Get spooky out there in October. Till next time. We're out. Peace. Oh, God.